This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Many, 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 listening to the Voices of Wrestling podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. X out, go listen to some boring podcast where they're afraid of their own shadow. Okay? Don't listen to Joe Lanza. Because Joe Lanza's not changing. And Rich Cranch. Give me a name. I like Who delivers <laughs> this guy in a big spot? Joe, don't yell at me. I like in, the, in the big spot, who delivers better than this guy? Just stop yelling at me. I agree. Welcome once again to the Voice Wrestling Flagship Podcast. I'm Rich Krejci alongside, as always, a very good family man, Mr. Joe Lanza. Joe, what's going on? How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Just got done uh, perusing through an abandoned prison. That's what I did on my... took a day off work to peruse uh, an abandoned prison, so that's, that's where my life's at these days. Didn't you do that a couple days ago, too? Or is this that like was this? an abandoned mental hospital, sir, okay? <laughs> that was, uh... Yeah. So you, you've been... Um... You've been visiting a uh, old abandoned buildings. Are you, are you doing crack now, Rich? Is that what's going on? No, I wish. No, that'd be fun. I'd make it a little bit better. But no, I'm just usually drinking coffee while I do them. No, it's. Uh, I've always kind of been in, into uh, exploring abandoned places and abandoned places and, and, and stuff like that. But uh, so recently, uh, the nurse has been getting more into photography. She used to be big into photography in high school, and then she kind of got rid of you know dropped off and, and, and stopped doing it. Well, she's back into it. So I've been saying, hey, do you want to go check out these? Because like I've always wanted excuses to go to these abandoned places, but then I get there and I'm just like, all right, what am I? I'm just kind of here, like you know, I'm taking pictures on my phone or whatnot. Um, so she's been more inclined to like want to go along with it. So that's been pretty cool. And they, they recently just opened up tours of this. Uh, there's a, a, a prison not far from me, about 20, 30 minutes away that people have been breaking into for like 10, 15 years. And now they finally just said, it's costing too much money to have security to prevent people from breaking into this. So why don't we just pay people to explore the abandoned place, which makes all the sense in the world is the greatest thing. It's capitalism at its core right there. It's just to monetize abandoned prisons like that you know what i mean like you can't beat it right there that's, that's hey that's if it. there's if there's money to be made go for it so you, and that you, might be my oh, I, you know mm, mm. hold on <laughs> i'm gonna be careful because like i'm really thinking to myself like as i'm going to more and more of these abandoned places like they should really do this with more places like monetize this like throw a gate up and, and charge people because you're gonna get a lot of people that are gonna come and take photos and instagram photos and snapchats and all that sort of shit like eventually it'll not be cool anymore to go to these abandoned places but shit i want to monetize it while it is still kind of cool because i mean shit well we 10, and then we we're at 10 a.m on, on a wednesday and it was packed i mean there's 30 people with us well then it's safe too you know then you're right. not going to this abandoned asylum and there's some homeless derelict around the corner ready to prick you with a with an AIDS needle. Right. You know? And that's exactly why as like a, in, in my younger days, like I would kind of admire abandoned places from the outside, but never quite go in because of that fear. Like, cause you can go on YouTube and find like, all oh, these people are traveling in these tunnels underneath. And I'm like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> like, just in case, like there's like some weird animals or weird homeless people or weird somebody. I'm not, I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'm good on like traversing this like dark tunnel of a, of an abandoned insane asylum. Like I'm, I'm all right on that. Like I'll, I'll watch YouTube videos and, and admire from the outside. So, yeah, you could have rats or you could have raccoons with the rabies. You don't know what's going on in there. Now, if this is all controlled by someone and they're collecting your $15 at the door, it's safe. You know, and and, and, and you could visit this thing and you could even have a, a, a friendly tour guide telling you stories That's about... That's exactly uh, what we had. That's exactly you know. what we had today. Yeah, it's, it felt a little weird because there's like this uh, this very famous haunted uh, cemetery not far from us. Or, or, you know, the long stories of, of haunted cemeteries. When I, people break into that thing like, 
dozens of times a day and there's like constant security and there's guards and there's this and there's that and it's like at some point you realize like you know what and, and i get it, it's a cemetery so like you said it's a little eh, it's a little disingenuous a little weird or whatnot but still like if, if you're spending so much money to try to keep people out like at some point don't you just say screw it like charge 20 bucks these same people are probably going to come anyway anyone who wants to take a tour of my home uh you know can dm me and for you know what, what do you think Five hundred bucks, a nominal fee. Well, you have some. Do you still have any abandoned rooms, or have those uh, those kids taken over all your abandoned rooms? Because before, because yeah, that's a deep cut. If for, for old uh, Voice Wrestling flagship listeners, before the lovely Brittany and uh, and the kids moved in, it was basically you and you had like three rooms occupied. How many rooms did you have in your house? And like four or five of them were just empty, right? Or with like one picture on the window, like a serial killer. Um, my house was once described as the, uh, the as a serial killer lair, uh, <laughs> to its uh, uh, it look. My house was because it was very, uh, very. It was it was shockingly neat and clean. Okay, number one, number two, there was nothing on the walls, no ambiance probably, is, is whatsoever. Is it still shockingly clean and neat in that house anymore? Or no, I do a nice job because I'm I'm kind of a neat freak, you okay. know. So I, I I don't like things. Me- now look, you know, there's two toddlers running around. You can only keep it. You know, there's going to be toys and stuff at times. Uh, you know, while they're awake, you kind of just have to roll with the punches and and and. And, 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 and contain it. You know what I mean? But, uh, you know, uh, at the end of the day, you know, very neat and clean. But anyway, it was very, it was shockingly neat and clean, maybe too neat and clean. Okay, there was nothing on the walls. And yeah, there were probably, uh, you know, three bedrooms and several other rooms that were completely unoccupied, but nothing in them. Not even a piece <laughs> of furniture. You just go in, you take in, it still had the new house smell seven years later because, you know, the rooms had, you know, never had anybody inside of them. Uh, you know, things like that. But, uh, yeah, that's no longer the case. Uh, everything is uh, very much occupied now. But, uh, but yeah, you know, it, it would have been, you know, I, I, could, I, can, I can give tours of my, I would I would love to charge uh, a nominal fee to give a tour of my home and, uh, and show you the rooms that used to be empty. I mean, I think this is great that they're doing this with prisons and asylums and everything else. And, you know, why not? It's, it's safe. Someone can make a few bucks on the side. I got no problem with this. Yeah, you and know? this one's all going to the, they're trying to restore this old prison. So it's basically the, the village or the, the town or whatever that it's in bought the land from the state and said, hey, we're just going to do something with this. And like, because they want to knock it down. And like, yeah, they, of course, they're, eventually they probably will eventually just probably knock it down because the cost to try to like rehab it is probably going to be so astronomical or whatever. But it's still, it's worth it. I mean, it's like an old, it was built in like the 1890s or something like that. So it's like, it looks like a big castle. It's made of like limestone. Like, it's really good. It, it, it's a cool looking facility. So it'd suck if it just got, you know, knocked down. So yeah, they're trying to raise some money here and shit. I mean, just judging on what the, the amount of tours they had today, they're, they're doing all right on, on money. Not they've had to pay anything for it for the last you know couple of years, so that's good. But, the, but yeah, but the Recently, insane, but the insane asylum you broke into, correct? Uh, you, it's not really a break into; it's more of like a campus. I didn't go into actually any of the buildings of the insane asylum. Like you used to be able to pretty easily, but now they've rented a lot of them out to like businesses, which is kind of strange. And they built like houses, and they have like uh, it, it's it's very strange. This insane asylum, I, I it's it's hard to explain. But no, I didn't I didn't go actually in t- inside of any of the the buildings there. Many many years ago, you could go inside of all the buildings. Uh, but nowadays you, you can't. There's like a Frito Lay distributor like taking over one of them. But the problem is like these buildings still look like they're abandoned. But they're just like people are just putting like pallets in them or whatever, so that like a truck can come pick them up or whatnot. It's it's, it's kind of strange, but technically it's private property at that point. So I don't want to, you know, I got a job. We, I can't. We had one in my neighborhood when I was a kid. It was a uh, you know a, a former insane asylum, and they're always 
exactly how you would picture them. They're like three stories tall, and they look like fucking haunted houses. It's, it's incredible how these places always look like the stereotype. But in this one, it's weird. They kind of just, and, and for a lot of them, this is what they did. They would just abandon these things and leave the beds inside. Yes, and leave the- yeah, that was, that was the fun one about that one is that, like, you used to be able to go around and, and just walk around and, and, like, yeah, the beds were there, the frames were still there. This abandoned prison, I mean, we were walking through some buildings and there was, like, typewriters still there. Like, people just, like, like one day, and that's my favorite thing of, like, abandoned places. Like, it's one thing to have just a place that, like, got cleared out or gutted or whatever. You know, that's not. But, like, I love the idea of, like, people just one day just, like, standing up, walking out, and then, like, never, you know, again. It's just like, like oh, well, we're done. Bye. And then it's just like, yeah, we, we went through a hospital today that still had, like, you know, syringes and shit out there. It's like, what the fuck? Like, it's just really bizarre. Yeah, the the one that we used to rummage through as kids, it actually still had the file cabinets and like paperwork yeah. inside. Is this the? Uh, I'm looking at it now. Is it the uh, Elizabeth General Medical Center? Not to no, this reveal this your not, hometown. Yeah, sorry. No, this was uh, in Edison, New Jersey, where this Edison, was located. Okay. But, uh, and they, many abandoned things in New Jersey. Who knows? <laughs> they 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 actually knocked it down to build a Target. Of all Ooh, things. that's creepy. Yeah. Uh, but, but, yeah, I mean, so we'd rummage through the file cabinets and just read these old documents from, like, 1918, you know, about these people who were committed or whatever. And it was just, you know, it, it's it's really bizarre. But we're running out of places to do that in because, you know, they're building targets and uh, renting this space out to businesses. So, uh, you know, but these things, you know, they used to be, I guess, you know, way before our time. You know, it's like every town had a fucking asylum. I mean, that's just how we did things. We didn't know how to handle mentally ill people, so we just... Yeah, thank God, 2018, though, we do definitely know how to handle mentally ill people. So that's, and that's, like, the fun thing about, like, going to these places is... Fun thing I say, but, like, you know, it, it's... I mean, this one that I went to, they, they said, like, reported, like, there was one year where, like, 480 people died. Because they were just doing lobotomies. They were just doing... They didn't know what the fuck they were doing. And there was, like, you know, the, pe- the mentally ill. And they're like, ah, oh, who cares? We'll just do this. Or we'll electroshock them. Or we'll s- throw them in a nice bath. That'll make them better. And, like, they just kept dying. They're like, oh, well, whatever. Move along. Like, it's just insane to think that, like, and, how and then- they were treated in there. And that's... Like, I don't believe in ghosts, and I'm not a spiritual person at all. But just going there and being on the grounds, like, you you... You feel like something. You feel a bad energy. Like there's a real super negative energy about the entire experience. In the grand scheme, it's not even that long ago either. No, that we were doing these things. You know, <laughs> this we... prison closed 20 years ago. Like, yeah, this thing, <laughs> just... it closed in 2001. I'm like, what the fuck? Like this place is decrepit. It was 20 years ago. Yeah, I mean, some of these asylums and whatnot, and that's what they called them. Asylum. You know, yeah. they called them asylums, or they called them uh, prisons for the criminally insane. Was another one that they would do if they were, uh, you know, if they were, if they were criminally insane and these things you know right into the 60s and 70s is when you know we started to get a little more uh advanced and started closing places like this and shutting down some of these odd techniques to try to cure people and uh you know so in the grand scheme i mean we've got plenty of people alive today who worked in these things and you know maybe even doctors who believed in these you know wacky sort of treatments and it's it's you know it's it's not that far removed you know, which is crazy to think about because, you know, if you're under the age of 60 or 70, you, you know, you, you probably can't fathom that this was going on just, you know, a couple of years before you were born. Yeah, I'm looking, I'm looking at your uh, your asylum right now. That uh, looks pretty cool. That looks pretty fun. So that's. Uh... Yeah, well, I mean, you know, now you can, you know, you can go get a, a <laughs> deal at Target if, if you like. Uh, but we would walk to that fucking thing. You know, uh, you know, one town over, we'd walk over there and, 
you know, probably 10, 11, 12, probably, you know, teenagers would go in there and drink and fuck and do all that kind of shit. Yeah, you know I mean? yeah. See, what's, what's, inter- what's unfortunate about, uh, in, in one respect, like, it's, it's, it's good because it's, like, easier to find these places now and to know where the abandoned places are, but it's also hard, easy to find the abandoned, because, like, through the 70s and 80s and all that sort of stuff, like, you could just walk. I mean, this, this mental episode that we were talking about, like, people in the 80s and 90s would just roll up in there. Nobody cared. You know what I mean? Because it was so few and far between the people that would come in. But the people that knew about it knew all the little tricks and knew all this and knew all that. But now, like, you go online and there's YouTube videos of kids breaking in and whatnot. And, and recently what happened with this prison and the big reason why they decided, all right, this is enough is enough is uh, some girls broke in one night and mistakenly locked themselves in a jail cell. Which, uh, by the way, they oh. don't have the keys for the, uh, you know. Right. So they basically waited there for, like, I think eight or nine hours just to decide what the hell are we going to do. Because, like, do we actually call somebody? Um, eventually they did, like, when the morning. So they came in the middle of the night and waited all night. And then the morning called the fire department. The fire department didn't have keys, obviously. It's kind of not very easy to get through jail cells. So they had to knock a wall down behind them to get them out and that's when they decided okay maybe we should start doing something with this so so this was an old school probably built in the 20s or 30s uh jail cell so you couldn't just call out your neighborhood locksmith to pick that no. <laughs> right You're, yeah and like yeah they didn't have the keys and there's not like a real log of the keys yeah there was no way to get it in there it's like no that it there's one key for this cell particularly and we don't have that one so no like you're not getting out of this thing so yeah uh, well th- those kids learned their lesson i would say <laughs> uh you know, they locked, they put themselves in jail in an abandoned prison. Yeah, I'm good. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? That's like, because they were saying that they didn't, like, they didn't convict them. I mean, I guess they were they were minors or whatever. But, like, I feel like you're pretty good. Like, spending eight hours in the pitch black in an abandoned jail cell is, is probably, uh, I probably mean, enough to. Why, <laughs> that's why bother thing. with the trespassing charge at that point? They learned their lesson. Now, <laughs> sure, right. what they should probably do is they should probably have to donate some time to the fire department and maybe do something for those guys who had to come out there and bust the wall down. But aside from that, I mean, really, you're going to put, they, they were, pun- they were very clearly punished. I mean, that's terrifying. <laughs> that sounds awful. But uh, yeah, we got uh, plenty to get to this week when we're actually talking about wrestling. We have WWE evolution coming up this Sunday. We got DDT's Peter Pan show, which we watched last weekend. Yeah. The NWA seventh anniversary, which also happened last weekend, the uh, return of the Crockett cup. Uh, and then some unfortunate news about Roman Reigns. And we're going to talk a little bit about uh, that as well as uh, some big thing that happened at the end of raw, the Dean Ambrose heel turn. But before we do that, Joe, we want to talk about a brand new sponsor to the voice wrestling flagship podcast. It is Robinhood, and Robinhood is an investing app that lets you buy and sell stocks, ETFs, options, and cryptos, all commission-free. Robinhood is a non-intimidating way for stock market newcomers to invest for the first time with true confidence. They have a simple, intuitive, and clear design and data present in an easy-to-digest way. Joe, you and I both had a chance to play around with Robinhood last week, uh, and I'd say it was easier than I even imagined to kind of thumb around there and, and, and buy and sell and, and, and kind of work around the stock market. What was your uh, experience with, with Robinhood? Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm a guy who owns some stock. You know, I invest a little bit, and I, I've got a guy, you know. So I was a little skeptical doing this on an app, but I messed around with it. I threw a few bucks on it. It was very easy to deposit. It was very easy to, to, to play around and look around and, and see where you want to throw your money. And and uh, I had a good time with it, and I'm going to keep using it moving forward. I think it's, a, uh, it's, a, it's an easy and fun way to invest, and, uh, you know, Robin Hood believes, Rich, that the financial system should work for the rest of us, not just the wealthy. Yes, of course. Yeah, easy to use graphs, all that sort of stuff, as I said. 
uh, when we you know when I entered the app for the first time, you know, I, I there was those charts. I said because like I, I don't know shit about the stock market. You you said that you buy some stock. I don't know anything. I'm an idiot. I'm clueless. And Robinhood is perfect for someone like me. And 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 if you're in my boat and have no idea where to start and and overwhelmed by the entire process, it's super easy. You come in there. It's got easy to use charts. Like I said, you can obviously tell a stock that's on the rise, a stock that's falling, yearly averages, all that other good stuff within four taps. I open the app, sign into all that within four taps. I was already making trades completely commission free, which is awesome because other brokerage firms. They're going to charge you up to $10 for every single trade. That's nuts, Joe. Robinhood, they are free. $10 a piece for a trade? Come on, get out of here. Robinhood, they are free. Now to the best parts. Robinhood is giving voice wrestling flagship listeners a free stock like Apple, Ford, or Sprint to help you build your portfolio. So you sign up right now at voices.robinhood.com. That's voices.robinhood.com. As I said, a free stock like Apple, Ford, or Sprint to get you started on your portfolio. Voices.robinhood.com. That's voices.robinhood.com. Com. So, all right, let's get to the wrestling portion of the show. Uh, we got to start out with the, uh, of course, the Roman Reigns news uh, kicks off Monday. I was not watching live. I was doing some other stuff, and I get a barrage of text messages from friends. I was, uh, I forget what I was doing. I was watching uh, Peter Pan, and all of a sudden my phone is just going absolutely nuts, and I'm looking at it, and I get, holy fuck, or God damn it, this better not be a work. I get a bunch of just like weird all across the board text messages. Uh, and eventually somebody finally said, hey, oh my god, are you watching Raw? Roman Reigns has leukemia. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And I was like, this is the, the worst storyline they have ever done. This is ridiculous. What are you talking about? Uh, and then obviously I ran to the TV, turned it on, and yeah, there was the announcement. Uh, Roman Reigns is in the midst of making it. Uh, that he has leukemia. He is relinquishing the uh, universal title, and he's going to take some time off to obviously, hopefully, from all of us, yeah, hopefully uh, get better and return to the ring. But uh, Joe, what would you think of this news when you first heard about it? Yeah, I mean, like everybody else, it was uh, shocking news. It's definitely not something that you expect to hear. It's weird because we had heard, you know, with all this Crown Jewel stuff going down, and, and as of the time that we're recording this, really nothing new has come down. The last nugget we got from Crown Jewel was that, um, you know, Dave Meltzer had mentioned on his message board, and I thought this was interesting, that Vince McMahon was just going to dig his heels in, and unless he was told by basically the United States government not to run the show, that as far as we know, um, as uh, you know, as far as when we're recording this show, uh, he's going to try to run it, but they are looking for some alternate sites. You know, Robbie Fox over at Barstool was the one who originally, and the reason I'm tying this in is because he had noted that John Cena and um, uh, who was, oh, and Brian, uh, Brian. Daniel yeah, Bryan. I was going to say Brian Danielson 10 years after. The, can you believe that? I was actually going to say Brian Danielson. <laughs> that's, a, that's a tough poll. Yeah, I don't – I'm usually pretty I, good. There's like certain names like Steen and, and, and Owens I've, I've eventually maybe about a year or so ago I was good on and I never had to bring that up again. But, yeah, I, I was, I've been pretty good on, on, on Daniel Bryan. I, I don't think I've dropped a Brian Danielson in quite some time, so that's, uh, that's impressive. Every week on the NFL Intelligentsia, I say San Diego Chargers. I just I can't stop. Well, they'll be back there eventually. <laughs> I think, given how the LA situation's going, yeah, uh, I wouldn't blame. You. I mean, they have been the San Diego Chargers your entire life, right? Like my entire life as well. I'm probably yeah, gonna call them yeah. the. You know, I tell time with the Miami Marlins still. I call them the Florida Marlins all the time because it's like, no, Miami, no, no, they're they're Florida Marlins to me. <laughs> like I just grew up with them being there. So yeah, I don't I don't blame you on the San Diego Chargers though because they're synonymous with San Diego to me. I I have no the LA Chargers just sounds weird. It doesn't even sound right just saying it just there. So no, I, I don't blame you and, on that and, one. And then I catch myself on like the third time and I go, son of a bitch, I've been saying San Diego the whole show. And of course I leave that in because, you know, I'm not editing uh, anything out, of course. But uh, um, but yeah, so I don't know. It, it's like, uh, what was I saying? No, so Robbie Fox reported that, um, and, and he was really the first I saw that had this, that Cena and Brian, and <laughs> I just did it again, and Daniel Bryan. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> 
uh, we're, we're going to... Your first name based on them. Just say Brian. Yeah, Just yeah. say Brian. And Brian. we're going to refuse to work the yeah. show. And he had noted a Roman Reigns injury, okay? Which is understandable. Obviously, he had some information. And, and, and here's the thing. Nobody really knew what was wrong with Roman Reigns because, and we'll get into this later when he made the announcement, uh, that's actually something I want to get into when we talk about the Dean Ambrose turn. Um, it was very clear that that most people were not were not in on exactly what was wrong with Roman Reigns. So a few days before Raw, even we had found out that there was something up with Reigns. But I don't think anyone. I mean, why would you ever in your wildest dreams, you know, apply something like this to to a wrestler? And it's, it was very shocking. And and uh, yeah, I mean, you know, there's nothing else to say other than you know it, it's you know you hope he gets better and 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 comes back and he says he wants to come back and he says he wants to wrestle and he stresses that it wasn't a retirement speech. And, you know, if that's what he wants to do for his sake, I hope he gets better and I hope he comes back. I mean, there's, to me, there's really not much more to add to something like that. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Unfortunately. Uh, yeah. Ter- terrible news. And, and, and we'll see how it goes. And, uh, you know, hopefully they'll, they'll give updates and whatnot, but yeah, a lot of it's, just, it's going to be one of these things that we're probably not going to get updates like all the time. It's, it's, you just gotta, <laughs> it's, it, it's going to take time to figure out. So yeah, it's just, uh, and and it doesn't feel right. Like you know, I, now is not a good time to be like, all right, let's talk about you know the booking without him. And so it's it's just like this week's not great for it. Let's let's kind of let it play out a little bit uh, and see how the weeks go before we kind of look at it in, in in general. But I mean, so see huge blow. I mean, this is the guy that they built a company around for the last four or five years. I mean, this is the guy we we talk about the Roman train all the time and all that sort of stuff. I mean, this is it's a huge blow to them. You know, not only it, it sucks, of course, losing losing you know a, a competitor and losing a guy that that. It seems as well liked in the locker room, but just in general, I mean, this is a huge blow to that company, and 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 it's one that's going to be interesting to see if they can kind of fill that void uh, left by him. And and it's a huge void because he is the face of the company. He's the you know after John Cena, the guy who's you know the, the the number one guy doing charities and all that sort of stuff. We you know we always talk about why you know hey why don't you turn Roman Reigns heel? And one of the big reasons why they don't is because he is that. He's just that face of the company. Uh, and now they're going to have to find something else. I mean, it's not like he's going to be out of sight, out of mind. I'm sure he's still going to be doing stuff and and be publicly out there. But yeah, uh, as far as like the day to day guy, he's you know. They're, they're I don't know. I, else, I, I, yeah. I, I think he will be out of sight, out of mind. Honestly, I, I don't think they're gonna. Yeah, I don't know. Try. I'm not sure. So I, I get the sense that he's just going away and dealing with this. I don't get the sense he's gonna be out there doing PR work, and he's definitely not gonna be appearing on the wrestling. So, but yeah, you know, it's uh, you know, bad news and 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 shocking news and and all of that. And uh, you know, we I think everybody hopes that the guy just you know covers and gets better. Absolutely, yeah. For all the all the criticisms we might make of the character and all sorts, of, you, you of course don't want this guy, you know, to, to go through any of this. You don't. You don't want anybody. Else. And and it's no, like, God, and, no. and, and look, I it's you wrestling. know, we, you know, what we say on the show is it's how we react to wrestlers or wrestling or whatever. It's not how we react to the actual people behind the wrestlers or whatnot. It's it's yeah, there's no and there's, there's human no... beings and there's characters. Yeah, we're we're reacting to characters. Very few guys on the show that we ever talk about or, or guys or girls that we are really truly upset at the human being behind them. I mean, or really think the human being behind them is a bad person or something like that. And it's it's ridiculous. Yeah. Occasionally what we do has to cross into that. But sure. in the in the case of Roman Reigns, I mean it's just you know, we've never it's never talked, once been about him. Yeah, we, about we've him never being, yeah. we've never talked about Joe. However, the hell you pronounce that last name? I mean, we, I, I, I can never pronounce that right. Um, I, I, I know I, How do you say? I still I think it's Anoa'i or whatever. But Anoa'i. We'll I mean, you know, we've never you know just spoken. It. It's always just been about Reigns. So I mean, yeah, there's there's no reason to, um, you know, in, in this case to feel bad about anything. Where you know, it's it's nobody cares if if. Um, you know, someone's a a shitty wrestler, or work. You know, complain about someone's work. Not rate getting or, over enough. Yeah, not, <laughs> it, 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 yeah. This is a totally 
uh, separate situation and, and uh, you know, one that has zero to do with the other. Absolutely. Uh, now let's talk about something that did have a little bit to do with the Roman Reigns announcement at the beginning of the show, and in some way, it depends on your <laughs> how you're thinking about it, but uh, at the end of the show, Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins win the tag titles, and then Dean Ambrose turns on Seth Rollins, the shield breaks up again, Roman Reigns is out of the picture, Dean Ambrose turns on Seth Rollins at the end of the show. Joe, what did you think of the placement of the Dean Ambrose heel turn at the end of this show, uh, only about two and a half hours after Roman Reigns announces he has leukemia? So, I remember when WWE turned Vicky Guerrero heel. And I was, like, disgusted by it. I thought it was weird and wrong and gross. And I was very bothered by that. And I thought when, like, Randy Orton would, like, they were doing those things to, like, after Eddie Guerrero was dead, where Randy Orton was talking shit about Eddie Guerrero. And you remember all those... Angles. Yeah, Eddie's in hell and all that sort yeah. of stuff. Yeah, just it was pretty and, bad. <laughs> and then Vicky turns heel on top of that, and I was like, this is just, it really bothers me. And then in the ensuing weeks, I had read that all of Eddie's family, uh, you know, Hector and Mondo and and, Chavo, and the, both Chavos and everything, um, you know, the, the whole family uh, were actually all for it and in favor of it. And they thought it was great for Vicky because she could really make a career out of this and and extend the career that she had. And, 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 and they thought that the, the Eddie angles were good for her and good for business and good for Ray and good for everybody involved. And then I totally changed my mindset. I thought, well, you know, it's, you know, and, and then I thought to myself, you know, Eddie Guerrero himself would probably be okay with this because his wife now has a career and, and they've extended it by turning her heel and, and, and what it, what really sunk in with me is these are people in this wrestling family so deep in the wrestling business that they understand that all this stuff is just a work at the end of the day. And, and you know, it, it doesn't matter. And if Vicky Guerrero can make some money doing this and, and make a lot of money doing this, then, then good for her. And family was happy for her. And I was like, well, who am I to be annoyed by it? And that really changed my perspective on it. And then when I, when I see, I understand why people may be upset about this. Because there's no question whether they were planning on doing the Ambrose turn this week or not. Now you had this real-life situation in hand. There's no question this was exploitative towards the Roman Reigns situation. There's no question. You have to accept that whether you're okay with the angle or not. I'm okay with the angle. I really don't have a problem with it. I just think it's pro wrestling. And I think if you were to ask Roman Reigns, I don't know this for a fact, but I'm fairly certain he would tell you, this is going to help my man Dean Ambrose get over as a heel. This is going to help my man Seth. These two dudes are going to have a feud coming off of this. And if my unfortunate situation helps them in any way, I'm all for it. I, I really believe he would think that. And, um, and, and he's from a wrestling family. This is how, you know, wrestling, this is what wrestling is. You know, I think we need to stop applying real life sensibilities to a worked world. I really believe that now, and and that's not me saying that if it bothers you that they chose to do that this week, and oh geez, why couldn't they just hold off till next week? Or I get it. I don't even think you're wrong. I can disagree with you in this case and not even think you're wrong. You know what I mean? I just happen to think that I don't have a problem with it. And now the only way I'd have a problem with this is if we get a statement from Roman Reigns at some point saying, "Wow, you know, I didn't think that they were going to exploit my illness like that." 
now I have a problem. You know what I mean? That's where I would say, okay, it, it, that's a bad look. Maybe they should have ran this by the guy first. But I, I, I don't get the sense that that's the case or would be the case. To me, this is just pro wrestling. If, if his illness and the real emotion in the first hour of show gives the angle a little extra boost and everybody involved is okay with it, then Joe Lanza is okay with it. That's kind of where I stand on it. So my thing is, is, is not necessarily that I had like a problem with it or thought it was insensitive or whatnot. I just think it's really, really stupid is, is my thing. Um, because it's 2018. The people, the people in the crowd, they know... Sorry, my dogs are going nuts in the background. I have no idea what's happening. There's probably somebody mailman going on. But uh, it's 2018. The fans know... I mean, more, more fans than not know kind of what's going on. They know the situation. They know they're watching a fake thing that's written by people and all that sort of stuff. That's my biggest issue is I think that this doesn't help Dean Ambrose. I think this then more reflects negatively on WWE. That I feel like, and I don't know, we'll see how the week goes and we'll see how people react to the Dean Ambrose heel character. But I think it's more of now it's going to be the heat is on the creative team and the heat is on, oh, geez, like I can't believe they did this this week. Not necessarily, oh my god, I can't believe Dean Ambrose turned on his best friend when his other best friend, you know, has leukemia. You know what I mean? I don't think that there's that many people at home sitting there going, oh my god, I can't believe Dean Ambrose did that. Or even breaking their, 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 their you know, their sense of, 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 you know, wonderment of, oh my god, well, I'll, well I'm, I'm going to, uh, you, know, you know, turn my mind off here and say, oh my god, this Dean Ambrose character. What I think more of it is going to reflect on people going, oh, jeez, I can't believe they did that. Or, oh, God, that, that, that is a really bad idea to have it be this week. Like, that's, that's just how I feel, and that's kind of the tender that I, that I was noticing from people on, uh, on Facebook when I was looking at it on Twitter. I tried to get out of our bubble and kind of see how people were responding it there, and a lot of it was, like, people that obviously don't follow us, people that are not in our little bubble, saying, ah, oh, jeez, this week seems like a real bad week to do this. Like, people know how, the, how it's made now. You know, people know how the sausage is made now, so I don't know that it's quite... I just think it's a really stupid idea to do it this week because I, I just don't know that it's going to help Dean as much as it's going to hurt the company and make people just think it's it's absolute bullshit. Like, I would not be stunned if Dean Ambrose comes out there next week and, and cuts a promo about how why he turned on Seth Rollins and you start getting the CM Punk chance or whatnot. Because I, I truly believe that people are going to react negatively towards it, but not negatively towards Dean. And Dean won't really benefit from it. It'll just be more of a, oh, God damn it, what is this company doing? Why this week of all companies or all weeks? Do, do, you, do you think that that could be a possibility? Sure. I mean, I'm not sitting here telling you that, uh, you know, it's definitely going to work and work out better because of the circumstances. I'm just saying that there's a possibility that it could, and it won't. And that does. It, it, I'm just saying I don't have a problem with it. I mean, I just see this pro wrestling. Yeah, yeah. I don't see. Here's the thing, too, and, and this will bleed into another topic we're going to do today. I, I, look, I, I accept pro wrestling for what it is. It's trash entertainment. It's turn your brain off trash entertainment and. More and more, we're seeing people attempt to apply, you know, these these sophisticated philosophies to pro wrestling. You know, pro wrestling is about, uh, you know, making up fake grudges and insulting your opponent, and 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 it's just it's it's always been low level trash entertainment, and I accept it for what it is. Um, you know, and I don't necessarily now. Of course, there's always lines that you cross. It's not what I'm saying. I'm not sitting here advocating anything goes, but. Look, it's unfortunate what happened to Roman Reigns. There's nobody who doesn't feel bad for him. I guess I shouldn't say that. There's some crazy people out there who are saying it's a work and all. Just ignore that stuff. I mean, don't even oh, take Jesus those... Christ! Yeah, just, I, just... I, had, I had a friend that was like, "No, it's a work. It's got to be a work." And I'm like, "Dude, I'm, I'm telling you, this company is low brow. <laughs> I know this company does a lot of stupid shit. I don't think they're this stupid. I 
don't think they're no, going to stupid. You can't like, even take those feet. Certain lines, there's certain lines of stupidity. This is not one that they're planning on crossing. So, no, I, I really, really, really... I mean, there. do I want to say there's a more than zero... Maybe like a point zero 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 one percent chance. But even then, it's like, ooh, no. that that That's really a line that you don't want to cross. So, I would I would certainly hope not. And I, I assume it, 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 of course, is not the case. But I would just ignore people who come at it from that angle. They're not worthy of your time. But the... The thing is, even though I accept pro wrestling for what it is, and 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 honestly, I think pro wrestling is it. It I actually think it's a little bit better when it's a little sleazy. I mean, that's just my honest opinion because I think that's what pro wrestling at its core is. Um, I I, I do. Th- with that said, um, you know, it's it's. Uh, let me put it to you this way: Here's what bothered me more than the Dean Ambrose turn because I think the show has to go on. I think the show has to go on. That we're going to do this turn anyway. Uh, yeah, I guess you can wait till next week, but what's the thing? Look, just, you know, you got to do what you got to do, and, 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 and the show's not going to stop happening because, and he wouldn't want the show to stop happening. The guy's not dead. You know what I mean? He, he got sick, and he's going to go away and try to get better, and I'm sure, you know, he wants the show to go on. But what bothered me more than the turn, which didn't really bother me at all, here's what bothers me, and here's what I think is bullshit. And I'm surprised more people aren't approaching it from this angle. I don't like how they worked everybody in their company and sent Roman Reigns out there with a mic to announce not only to the world, but to his friends and his co-workers that, that this situation was happening to him. To me, that's exploitative, and that's... You don't treat the people that work for you and the people who are his friends and co-workers that way. Uh, you know, there's no reason that they couldn't have gotten everybody in a room before the show and had Roman Reigns let everybody know what was going on. And give everybody a hug and let them know that, you know, we're going to open the show with this. And fuck, maybe even bring everybody out on the stage while he's giving his uh, speech. But to me, but they send him out there and they blindside everybody. Yeah, you got For, Seth, it, like, Seth can't handle so I mean, he's breaking down. No, no, like, you co- they, come back from, yeah. they come back from commercial, okay? And Renee Young and Corey Graves who are close to this man, Corey Graves explaining that their children play together and their families fucking hang out together. Renee Young, who's married to one of his you know, best friends, and they spend time together, and they're in tears on the air because they're just finding this out. And, and, you know, that's bullshit. I mean, what? that's what people should be annoyed about, not a dopey wrestling angle. It's just a wrestling angle. Why are our priorities so screwed up? Okay. That's the part that fired me up. And and that's the part where I thought, okay, if I was in this company and I was friends with this guy, I'd be annoyed right now that they pulled this shit. Okay? Now, I don't know who he told privately or whatnot, but clearly it wasn't everyone based on people's reactions. And then they're playing videos on WWE.com of people sobbing, coming up to this man, embracing him and whatnot. It's just, that's what feels exploitative to me. Not a dumb wrestling angle. You know what I mean? It's like, I don't know why we apply this real-world shit to wrestling angles. If, if an actor on a television show, and I hate these, they're not Apple's app, I get it. But if an actor on a TV show went through this and had to leave a show for a while to get cancer treatment, you know, and then they ran, uh, you know, uh, some, some dopey television storyline uh, the next week on TV, no one's getting worked up about it. Why do we apply this shit to wrestling all the time? These are characters. They're not real people. Just a wrestling angle. D 
Dean Ambrose didn't really level Seth, uh, Seth Rollins with a chair. I mean, calm down. Be annoyed about the right thing here. I don't know. It, it's it, look that that's what annoyed me anyway. So, you know, maybe I, I'm not look. I'm not saying people are wrong to be annoyed by the angle or even offended by it. If that's how you feel, I'm not gonna tell you how to feel. But I think it's misapplied. I think all of the other shit was very exploited. Yeah, not not telling your coworkers that or telling you know instructing him not to tell people or whatnot is is, is tough. And like later in the show, I know that there was like a Nia Jax promo that I think was a pre tape, and you could tell she kind of felt weird about it. So I don't know if they taped that after she found out from somebody or, or after the the it was just bizarre. The whole night was just kind of weird in that same sort of sense. So yeah, it was uh it was definitely strange. I mean, when we talk a little bit more about the turn as well, again, I'm not offended that they did the turn on that night. Like I just think it was just monumentally stupid. And one of the things that 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 I just don't get, and I'm curious your thoughts of this again we're going back to kind of the show and not really the 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 human beings or the human aspect of this but more kind of the characters of of of, you know dean ambrose and south rounds or whatnot for me don't you think it would have just been way more effective to have these two dudes as baby faces you know fighting for the the fighting with 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 their you know their fallen friend you know behind them just something more of like just this felt so shock jockey to have him turn now of all i even if the turn was planned even if it was like we're gonna do it this night we're gonna do it tomorrow night or whatever it was even if it was next week i would just cancel it and just have these two dudes be faces for a while it just seems like you get so much more out of that than you would dean amber shocking the world with this heel turn because it's going to be a heel turn that again we'll get over for like a week maybe and then it's just going to be the same old like to me it's just, I don't know. I just don't know if there's a big, huge benefit for that. And this company isn't really swimming with, uh, you know, babyface stars. So maybe just let these guys, you know, get the momentum. And, and that moment when they won the titles, I mean, people lost their minds. People loved it. People were all into it. I think you're going to get weeks and weeks and weeks of people being all into these guys because they understand that both the characters of these guys lost their brother and then these real-life human beings lost a guy that they, they're friends with as well. To me, that's the way to go versus you just immediately take people out of the moment again. You immediately just make the, make this kind of a goofy story heavy show immediately when Dean Ambrose turns on him, where I think you could really, really play it up where these two guys, both human beings and characters, are are, are trying to, you know, get their lives back together or, 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 or rally in light of this horrible news, but instead now you just go for the shocky heel turn to get heat. I hear what you're saying, but either way, aren't you playing off of the real-life story? Way? You're just not doing it in a uh, in a way in which one guy becomes villainous. So I, I, I don't this is why I say I don't really have a problem with it, and I don't have a problem with the show going on, because to me it's all just a work anyway. I, it doesn't – I don't know. And may, maybe the other thing about it is because I really have zero emotional investment in the Shield and zero – I've never been less invested in this company, maybe that's why I don't have a strong take on that either. I just don't give a yeah. shit what they do with their stories because – well, and, I, and nobody does, and and stuff like that is. This is why nobody gives. Well, a shit about well, here's the thing, Rich. I mean, clearly some people do because some people were very hurt by this. So, right, but are they hurt to go buy tickets to watch Seth Rollins beat him? Well, we all know the answer to that. They're not going to. <laughs> I mean, the answer is no. I mean, the, the answer. See, to me, and and this is exactly you're talking about a little bit of 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 kind of the real life and the and the balance and how people sort of attribute these people. And I think a lot of that is because of social media, where people now the the, the walls have been broken down. and They feel like they know Seth Rollins. They feel like they know Dean Ambrose. They feel like they know Roman Reigns because these guys post on Twitter and they post pictures on Instagram and all that sort of shit. I get it. Like, and 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 you're fully right to say, hey, no, these are characters on TV and these are actors and they're what they do in the real life does not, is not the same as what they do on the TV show. 
And I get that, but wouldn't you want to lean into that a little bit more? I think this is one of the huge disconnects with WWE these days. And one of the reasons why I think they're failing miserably at creating, you know, stars that anybody wants to pay and go see or stars that are, are marketable on any level is because you have a moment like this where people can finally attribute the real life of Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins with their friend having this adversity to the characters now. You can finally do something like that, which they have not been able to do. They have not been able to tell real stories in the longest time. The last real story I think they told, probably the Daniel Bryan stuff, where people knew that he was kind of, you know, not being, you know, he's not one of the favorites or whatnot. So people rallied behind that. The CM Punk thing, people rallied behind that. The, even Stone Cold in 1997 is a famous example, too. He gets hurt, and the story that they lean into is that he's ready to go, even though he wasn't ready to go, but he said he's ready to go. The, the, the character Stone Cold Steve Austin says he's ready to go, and and the company won't let him go. And that's what grew the, the Stone Cold character of the anti-authority, let me wrestle, the company saying you can't wrestle, and then him beating the fuck out of Vince McMahon and doing all that sort of stuff. So they, they have, they've done it in the past, and it's always been successful, and they just run away from that now. They just make sure to take you in instantly out of the moment and make no connection between the real life and, and the characters. And I think that in 2018 is how you tell good stories. Don't try to fool people into thinking it's it's this charade because people are going to – people want to lean into stuff that they believe – that, that has some tinges of reality to it. And this did. I, and then now it doesn't instantly. Now it doesn't already. Now people are just I, disconnected. I completely agree with you. A thousand percent. Lean into it. Get those two fuckers over like they've never been over before. With that said, how's that any different than doing the turn? You're still exploiting the real life situation for a pro wrestling angle. It's just sure. an angle. It's just an angle that you find more palatable. Because there's oh, kind yeah, of a, yeah. oh, because and like, there's, for the record, I don't, kind, I'm just talking about them being dumb. I mean, for the record, I'm not a, but yeah, I know who you're talking about. The general sense of people yes. being upset about it. Yeah, people. It's just it's more palatable if you do it that way because you don't have the the, the, the scuzziness of someone being a heel to exploit it. You know, but it's still exploiting it. Oh this, sure, this oh, is where I'm well, coming wrestling. from. It's pro wrestling. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's been my that was my point. Yeah, getting yeah, in a yeah. segment. It's just all pro wrestling. So to me. Exploitation is exploitation. You got to be fair and consistent. You know, it's like, it, to me, it's this. It, it, it's really no different. You know, I, I, or you know, or if it is, it's just a very subtle difference. Because I don't think that the heel turn crossed any kind of super offensive line. It was kind of just a. Ugh, I could see cringing and Dude, making a this face company. at it. I mean, yes. think of the stuff that this... They're running a show in Saudi Arabia in another week. Like, you cannot be upset about this. Like, truly upset about this when, like, in nine days, they're about to gather all the roster and fly over to Saudi Arabia to run a propaganda show for them. So, you cannot be upset about this, like, in that same sense. You're talking about two very different scales. Now, you can think both are wrong. And I don't have a problem with that, but you're right. The scale is just, I mean, completely different. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, that's how that's how I see it now. If, if it turns out that you know Roman did, you know, announce his illness to the crew before he went out there, I mean, I'll take back what I said before, you know. But I don't get the sense that that was the case. I really believe this blindsided a lot of people, and um, you know, I think it's a little weird. That you know, Vince McMahon and other people in that company kind of get off on that idea of, oh no, let's let's save this thing that could potentially kill you uh, as a, for a surprise on Monday. I mean, it, it, yeah. that's worse to me. And that's and that's happened, and that's happened many, 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 many times through history. And guys will tell that. I mean, Eric Bischoff famously talks about how he would like when he signed a guy or had something ready, he would tell nobody, tell, you know, nobody do it. And like we're talking about different scales here. We're talking about signing guys, guys coming in, people debuting or whatnot, but they love the genuine reactions. Wrestling promoters get off on that. 
that genuine reaction. But like, why don't you do that for the crowd and not for the people that work for you? Like, let the employees know, but maybe try to get the crowd to have genuine reactions. Instead, they want the boys to, you know, they got to work the boys because that's always a big part of it. But it's just, it's, it's, yeah, you're right. That's why they get off on that. Is, is and even is if, they, and I even mean, if that wasn't the case, and they all knew, they all, it was kept quiet, and they, they played it off like it was new information, and then we got all the tribute tweets and. And all this, and I don't know, that part feels scuzzier to me than a wrestler attorney. But I don't know. So that's that. Uh, we'll see what uh, see what the next few weeks bring. But, uh, I mean, in one case, I'm glad that Ambrose is, you know, going to be out on his own and doing stuff. Because I think that that's a guy that three or four years ago they had a star. And then, of course, they, you know. <laughs> no, nah, it's too, it's, it's, listen, it's too late. But it's, it's not going to happen. It's, it's too, I mean, it, it's over. That, that the, was the, many, many the, years ago. The door closed on that. He had a window. We talked about it endlessly at the time. It's over. It's you're never gonna recapture that. Um, you know, jeans wearing, um, you know, Onita cosplay Dean Ambrose just completely missed on what made him a potential breakout star when he was a, a Shield member. When he was that weird combination of Roddy Piper and Stone Cold Steve Austin all melded into one. When he was the smartest guy in the room, but also the craziest. Do you know what I mean? That version of Dean, where he wasn't just unstable, crazy guy, squirting mustard. Lunatic fringe. Yeah. yeah. Oh, the rodeo clown. The rodeo clown era. Yeah, when he was a rodeo clown. Oh, my clown. God. Oh, those er- Go back and watch some of those. I mean, not you, Joe. But somebody, somebody that's insane that's listening to this, go back and watch those Dean Ambrose-Bray Wyatt matches, and you'll see them just take somebody that was as hot as can be and just fucking let that fire die and just piss on the fire as much as humanly possible. What a they, horrible they, run that that was. They left one facet of his personality and then subtlety hammered it to death. And they removed the other important component and facet, which was as a S.H.I.E.L.D. member, he always came off as sort of this sly, coolest guy in the room, smartest guy in the room, craziest guy in the room. And with those three things combined, he sort of had this, wow, this guy is going to be a fucking megastar. And they eliminated the smartest guy in the room part portion of it and just made him a fucking rodeo clown. And and it, you, you slowly, it's like you painfully and slowly heard and felt air come out of the balloon. We came on this show and talked about it on a weekly basis. And you are never rebottling that. So it's over. They had a chance for that guy to to legitimately be the top baby face in the company for years. They fucking blew it. And you can maybe argue that they blew it with Seth. I don't ever think Seth was going to take off as a, as a megastar. But you could argue, if you want, that they blew it with Seth when they had him turn heel the first time instead of having uh, Dean uh, be the heel or whatnot. To me, you know, uh, to me, the second time with with Seth was the worst. Is when he came back from that injury and they're running those. They have the W twenty four of him doing the rehab. You see him in the gym, and you could you could kind of sense the groundswell was like, oh my god, this is this guy. He's he's rehabbing. He's coming back, and he comes back to a huge pop. People go fucking nuts when he comes back, and then a week later, he's shaking hands with Triple H and, and dropping pedigrees on people. So it's just like, oh, okay, you make you right. make an you make an excellent point. That was even worse. <laughs> so you know they had a second chance with him and. Or maybe that was their first chance, really. Because I never really got the sense that Seth was going to be the starter. You, you kind of saw what... I saw what they saw in Roman. I just didn't ever think that he could be what they thought he could be. But I saw what they saw. I understood what they saw. Dean, I thought, could be the top star in the company. And and they pissed it away. And then you're right. I think that's really was Seth's opportunity, and they blew it. 
And now I don't forget it. I mean, we don't have to go over all the mistakes with Roman, and today's not the day to do that anyway. And the other two, I mean, forget it. I don't think there's any chance. Look, they'll be presented as stars forever, for as long as they're there. They'll be presented as stars, and uh, you know, but they'll never truly be difference-making stars. It's, it's, you know, that's just they, they, you know, they blew it. Well, one last thing before we kind of move on here, and 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 it was, you know, in discussions that I, because my my idea with these two guys would have been just keep them together. You know, what I mean, keep them as as faces. And, and, and have them sort of, yeah, again, like exploit it in a positive way, you know, in a sense. It's exploiting, but yeah, yeah, at least it's a little yeah. positive and it doesn't feel so scuzzy. And people kept bringing up, well, yeah, they're, they're, they're beyond the tag team titles. They're beyond the tag team titles. They shouldn't win the tag team titles. And that was the most infuriating thing for me because – and I get why people say that. But and we talk about this all the time. The idea that if you are uh, aligned with anybody, you are fucking joined at the hip with the guy that you're aligned with. That if you – if it is Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins, it is only Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins. They can only tag team. They can only come out and help each other. They can only, you know, come out when, when – if one's in a singles match, the other's got to be there. When one's doing one thing and one's got to be there. My best idea was, like, these guys don't have to be tag team ch- champions. They can just be friends that are, are obviously former Shield members that unite every so often, but they do their own shit. Dean Ambrose goes for the U.S. title. Seth Rollins goes for the world title Dean Ambrose goes for the universal title whatever and they're just buds it's just like oh Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose yeah Seth Rollins and Dean but the idea and, and again people are not wrong because they just don't do that that if you are together with somebody you are joined at the fucking hip and then when you are supposed to be separated from that person you can't just say hey I'm gonna go do this and you do this but we're still buddies you gotta turn on the guy you gotta stab him in the back and then you're separate that's the only way you can get away from one of your you know, you know your stable mates or tag team partners or whatever you have to stab them in the back and move on you can't just go your separate ways but still kind of have an alliance which is just perplexing in this company but it's the way it is so I get it why people are like well what are you going to do you can't have these guys be tag team champions forever it's like you know no there is a way to do it you just have them be both good guys and exist in the same universe like you could do that you could that that's a thing that you can do but you know it's alright well, I mean, you know, they, they the, the shield they really had a chance with all three of these guys and blew it all in different ways, and that's modern WWE. All right, so, well, speaking of modern WWE, we got a pay per view this weekend: WWE Evolution, the historic Joe WWE Evolution, the all women's pay per view this Sunday from the Nassau Coliseum on Long Island. Um, thoughts before we kind of get into the card itself, uh, ticket sales look like they have recovered a little bit. They look like they're doing well. I think Dave on the observer radio, Dave Meltzer a few weeks ago, or a few days ago said that maybe not a sellout, but pretty close to a sellout tickets are definitely doing better than they were uh, a few weeks ago when we were on the show talking about it. But, uh, overall thoughts on, uh, kind of the buzz surrounding this pay-per-view right now, as we're going into it this Sunday, to me, it feels kind of low on the buzzle meter, uh, other than like our little circle and our little bubbles of Twitter. But I mean, SmackDown ended with the Jeff Hardy, Randy Orton match. I mean, they are definitely the promotion from the company. I feel is not. I don't know. I don't know that they're all in on the promotion of this, but it feels like at least they're going to sell uh, a fair amount of tickets, and and, and we'll see how it uh, how it ends up uh, going on Sunday. But what are your kind of thoughts on on, on evolution, the buzzle meter, and, and, and ticket sales? Well, 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 it is a sellout because there's only 300 tickets left, so the show's a sellout, um, which runs completely counter to everything that you see in here. You know. We're told that this was poorly promoted. We're told that um, uh, the, it was the wrong main event. Ronda Rousey didn't deserve to be in the main event. Nikki Bella didn't deserve to be in the main event. It's a bad main event, and it's poorly promoted. Meanwhile, the show is now a sellout. And thanks in large part to the Ronda Rousey-Nikki Bella main event, which was the obvious main event all along. When I saw this main event, uh, you know, when I read this main event in the Observer or whatever it was many, many weeks ago that this was the direction they were going, uh, it occurred, it just like the light bulb went on. I said, oh, that is the obvious and only main event that this show can have is the biggest star in the company 
without question, the biggest women's star in the company and, and probably the biggest star in the company, period, against Nikki Bella with her, you know, Total Bella's TV show and, and all of that. These are your two biggest stars. This is your main event. I mean, I have no idea why people can argue against this. Uh, if you're arguing against this, you're not looking at it from a business perspective and you, you know, it's like, you know, you, you can't lose sight that this is a business, okay? You don't put your little vanity, you know, it's Bailey versus whoever the fuck is your main event because you're fantasy booking, uh, you know, go play EWR. What's what's the one? TW, what's the one everybody plays? TW, TW is the, the, the current one. I was an EWR guy, but uh, yeah, TW is the Go play your one. little TW and do all the it's Bailey matches you want, okay? This is a real life business and the obvious main event all along was the biggest star in your company against Nikki Bella. I mean, there's no question. And you want to sit here and bang and bang on and complain about the way that they built that match. Well, that match sold the fucking building out. Because as soon as they heated up that match, the ticket sales went through the roof. And now we're looking at a sold-out building. So here's the thing. I hate to break it to you, but you're wrong. You're wrong. It was not a poor build. This match was not poorly built. Uh, people are not offended by the Ronda Rousey uh, uh, promos. Uh, the slut shaming and whatnot. It just isn't the case. That is Twitter re- is another case, Rich, of Twitter reality and reality reality. Reality reality is this is the biggest match on, on the show. People are into the rivalry. Nikki Bella doesn't care about the promos. She fucking helped write them. Okay? And pro wrestling, it's, it's like I said earlier, it's about people who don't like each other insulting each other. It's not about people... Uh, getting in the ring and being, you know, uh, passive-aggressive and polite to each other to build matches, okay? I don't have any problem with Ronda Rousey's promos. I don't have any problem with Nikki Bella not having a problem with Ronda Rousey's promos. And the fact of the matter is, this is the hottest match on the show. It's got the most heat on the show, without question. This is the hottest match on the show. And, and it sold the building out. So, I'm sorry. You're all wrong about this. This show is a success. And it's largely a success because Ronda Rousey and Nikki Bella are in a very well-built main event. I mean, it's almost like we're in Bizarro World. This show isn't well-built. They couldn't build it any better. This main event sold the building out. Okay, you want to look down card, that's fine. But let me ask you a question, Rich. What WWE pay-per-view is well-built down card ever? Right. <laughs> and I, I mean, think that is why yeah, that, this... that's ultimately the, the thing when I see people uh, upset about it. Did you think that this was going to be the exception that they were gonna be like, all right, all right, all that other shit we do is bullshit. But this WWE Evolution, guys, we got to make this thing count. We got to make this awesome. No, they build their big match with their big stars and they go, ah, everybody else, ah, who fucking cares? And, and, and <laughs> half know? the time and half the time they blow the big match. Right. You're, you're getting a well-built big And they match might. Here. And we'll, we'll see when the match comes. I mean, they, there's a very good chance they will blow the actual oh, execution oh, of it. That's that's true. But as far as a match that has generated interest, they knocked it out of the park with this right. match. They've done a great they- job with Ronda Rousey, all, all, all told. You know, we, we come on here and we criticize a lot of their booking. They, the, the star-making machine isn't broken. They just don't know how to use it or don't want to use it a lot. Because they have used it and, and, and it's killing it with Ronda Rousey. She is a bona fide star. And there is not many on the show. And we all thought that maybe once she started appearing a lot more that they would blow it. They haven't blown it yet. They've done an awesome job building her as a star. When, to the point where you announce her against another protected person. Like Nikki Bella was, was protected for years and years and years. And like you said, you snap your fingers and you sell it the place out so and you know i see the complaints about the women's battle royal you know throwing everybody in the battle royal rich rich on a big wrestling show across the world you know when they when it's a big show we're gonna review one later where this is also the case 
WrestleMania, Wrestle Kingdom, the DDT Peter Pan show we just watched, this show. What do these companies try to do? The wrestlers that don't have anything going on, they always shoehorn them into the battle. You know, in a way, in a weird way, having that battle royal where you shoehorn everybody on is sort of a compliment to this show. Because they're telling you, this is a big show, this is a historic show, this is an important show, we don't want to leave anybody off. Okay? So they're shoehorning everyone into the battle royal. Does anyone ever care about the shoehorn battle royal? No. But if you want to get everyone on the show, this is what wrestling companies do. We see it every year at Wrestle Kingdom. And yeah, people complain about one or two guys that are in the, in the Rambo. Oh, I wish they had a storyline for that. Look, I get it. There could be people in this battle royal that you wish had a match. But what do you want? Do you want a 22-match, seven-hour show? Did you really think they were going to do that? Did you think they were going to give you 20 matches on this thing? Okay, it was either this or some of these women were not going to be working the show. And that's the reality. It, it's not some egregious, super offensive thing that they put these women in a battle royal. This happens on every big show in wrestling. It's just the reality. You don't always have a storyline. They don't always have something for you. Okay? It's a competitive business and all of those things. I'm not saying you have to be happy about the Sasha Banks six-woman tag. I'm not saying you have to be happy with the aesthetics of the booking or, or the creative side of the booking. But this ranting and raving that this show, they just dropped the ball and it's a failure and they you're wrong. you're objectively wrong the show is a massive success and maybe they didn't push it hard this week on tv i want to play devil's advocate on that too because why the hell not maybe they didn't push it hard this week on tv because it's fucking sold out already and they have this crown jewel disaster which they might have to move at the last minute uh, that they're gonna have to sell tickets for on short notice that could be why they did their job for evolution. I mean, th- I mean that's just that's a waste of airtime. Those last 300 seats are going to sell. And if they don't, who cares? It's a sellout. They're pr- un- Here's the problem. They're doing two big shows at once. That's the problem. Something has to give. Okay? Uh, you know, they, they shouldn't be doing two big shows at the same time. Here's the yeah, thing. And as of two weeks ago, they were doing three big shows at once. When you had the Super Showdown, yeah. this, and, 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 and Crown Jewel, and then you had Survivor Series on the, in, the, in the real distance, and it was like, holy fuck, like, when are there all these... I, I thought these were flip-flops. I thought until a week and a half ago that, <laughs> that Crown Jewel was before Evolution, and I think I said it on the show, and nobody even corrected me, because I don't think anybody knew either. Like, I, I, I think you and I both said multiple times that we thought Crown Jewel was before Evolution. It's not. Crown Jewel is after Evolution. Who the fuck knows? They just throw these shows at you, and you're like, what the hell is going on here? So, no, it's... it's so, yeah, so something then from that give, perspective, yeah. something has to give. Now, if you're a businessman... And one of those shows is already sold out. What are you going to put your attention to? It's just business. It's just business. They're not selling pay-per-views anymore. The tickets are sold. Okay? What do you, you know, it, it, they put themselves in this position. Don't get me wrong. In many ways. Not just by running three shows at once. But by getting into bed with Saudi Arabia. We talked about that last week. So they put themselves in this position. Where they have this last minute you know, potential situation. So I'm not letting them off the hook there. But this show already sold out. They pushed this show very strong in the lead-up. And if you want to argue against me, then explain to me the rapid ticket sales 
after they announce the main event and the rest of the card. I mean, what that means your opinions don't jive with reality and the public's opinions of this show. Because this was by no means a lock as a sellout. Don't come at me with, oh, this is a novelty show. It's the first time out of the gate. It's historic. It was going to sell out anyway. Ticket sales did not tell us that. The early ticket sales did not indicate that at all. That this was just going to sell out on the, on the concept of the first all-women's paper. You're, I'm sorry, but you're wrong. This show sold based on the way it was promoted. If that doesn't jive with your sensibilities as a fan, I don't know what to tell you. I'm sorry. This company hasn't jived with my sensibilities as a fan forever. But I accept it. You know, so I, I can't listen to this stuff. It's just irritating. People are so off base on this one. You're not getting the card you want. Guess what? When do you with this company? Why was this <laughs> going to be the magic show where they got everything right? Why was this going to be the magic show where they made everybody happy with the lineup? Right, and I think people, the problem is people buy into the, the PR of, oh my God, this is so historic, and oh my God, we care so much, and Stephanie McMahon, and getting everybody in the ring, and everyone's crying and hugging and all that sort of stuff. At the end of the day, it's still WWE. They still don't, aren't very good at booking. Like, we talk every week on the show, like, why did you, like, again, yeah, what was the expectation of, okay, the rest of the stuff is bullshit, but man, this evolution show, we really got to nail this one, guys. Like, no, they did the same shit they did. This looks like any other WWE card. Oh, there's that sneeze again. Sorry, but it looks yeah. it's it's not different. It's it's you know we we used to get this thing with the Roman Reigns again when when people would talk about oh my god they're intentionally tanking Roman Reigns. No, they suck at making stars, and this is yet another example of them sucking at making stars. They're not intentionally taking them; they're just doing what they always do. But but so, here's the thing too: I don't even think this is that horrible of a card. I don't even know what the complaints. Well, I know what the complaints yeah, are. And we'll get I, to that, you know, but. to me, it's not that bad. But it's not like and and we always and many if you go back years and years ago and we were talking about a lot of this and and. There's always going to be, especially with, with with the women's roster, people have their favorites and they really dig in their heels about their favorites and the people yeah. that they they believe in. And, and and a lot of at least our bubble is very pro Sasha Bailey, yeah. you know Alexa, you know the, the the girls that have kind of come up in the NXT era. I forgot and, the and, Alexa. And, yeah. <laughs> my, sorry, I remember I have to say a bliss because my uh, my Amazon Alexa will turn on every time I say that. But uh, yes. so the the NXT era ones and a very negative towards the divas era your nickies your you, you know your trishes your leaders even though they are they have some certain cachet people have a buy-in more with it with the sashes the baileys and that sort of stuff and 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 i get it and i understand it and i understand that you might say well geez why are they pushing a lot of the the old guard and and, and not necessarily some of the new guard and all that? but that's what they do for everything <laughs> the crown jewels made event of idx for god's sakes DX and if you and don't think it, Kane, yeah. like <laughs> yeah exactly of and course your you status is going to come there and and feel like a superstar because they think that everybody that used to work for the company is a superstar and that everybody that works for their company now is pieces of trash, except for Ronda Rousey. So, like, yeah, they, they, don't, they don't believe in these people because that's just how they book. That's how they book the men, too. Nostalgia yeah, exactly, is exactly. always over. The, the, the Rusev will get buried to no end to put over Goldberg. You know what I mean? Like, they're always going to do – they've always done that shit. You have men, women, or whatever. It's, it's – look, I'd like to see Sasha Banks in a better match. Why not? Sasha Banks is really good. Um – but look, it's like if you don't think internally they're happy with how this has all turned out, if you, if you don't think internally that they don't think that this is a home run already, then you don't have your finger on the pulse. Right. This is a home run for them already. If the, if the show is epically bad, that's another thing. But it won't be. The show will be fine. Probably be pretty damn good. Okay? But it, it, it's like Rich is saying. It, it, why did people have this false illusion that this was going to be something... Uh, I want Almas pushed. I want Rusev pushed. We all want those. It just 
this is what this company does. Biggie, Biggie, Cesaro. We can go on and on and on. It's but. no different, and 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 really, this card really isn't that bad anyway. People, are it's really acting. not. It's it, it really is not. As I go down and look up down it, it, it I'm actually kind of looking forward to it. There's a lot this of good. Gonna be a, this is going to be a damn good card, and I'm sorry. It's like not everyone. What, like, really, did you want thirty match? Did you think they were really going to give you thirty matches? I mean, you know, they called up every former. You know, uh, women's wrestler under the sun that works for the company to come back to this thing. They've done everything right. You, you can't give everyone a featured singles match. I'm sorry your fave isn't featured. But that doesn't mean, that does not mean that this card was not well promoted and, and pushed well. And the ticket sales proved that. So it, it, those are two different things. And I really wish people would stop conflating those things all of the time. Because I'm tired of having this this rant and this discussion all of the time. If I looked up and there were six thousand tickets sold for this, what is it, a twelve thousand, ten thousand, whatever? Somewhere on there, eleven, twelve, thirteen, somewhere in that range. I forget where. I'd say you know what, this was not well promoted. But that's not the case. They picked the right main event. They pushed it in all the right ways. It gets huge reactions every time they have a segment. Rich, it gets a huge reaction. So what's this idea that they've built the match wrong? No, you're wrong. You're objectively wrong. It sold tickets and people blow, blow through the roof for it. And it's going to get a big reaction night of. Oh, man, I just I, I can't take it. And, and let's go through yeah, the card because I, it's really not that yeah, bad r- on paper. No, r- real quickly, too, you know, again, on the Sasha Bailey and, and, and all those sort of ones. I mean, Becky and Charlotte are in a, in a pretty featured match. And I know that, that you know, we'll, we'll ignore that because it doesn't work for the, the argument or whatever. But, you know, you have your Sasha and your Bailey and they're just in this random, you know, throwing together six-woman match or whatever. And I get... I think the problem, though, that a lot of people, and again, I don't know why you do this, they buy into the WWE rhetoric that the, the this group of women ushered in a revolution that began, and yada, yada, yada. The, re- the revolution was they just decided to start treating women like human beings. You know what I mean? Like, and they just so happened to be the women that were there when they did that. And and like, I mean that in, in like the best way. I'm, I'm I'm saying that in the sense that those women obviously worked their ass off, and they obviously changed the game in a lot of ways and, and did a lot of things. But if WWE still decided to treat women like absolute shit, they would have been having good matches on NXT and then not doing anything on the main roster, which we kind of saw anyway. What, what, what ended up happening for a lot of them. But to the same point is they just decided to stop doing the bullshit that they used to do with women for 20 years and decided to actually let them just be wrestlers. And like people then buy into that and now assume that forever that they will be rewarded with Sasha and Bailey and, 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 and all those people being sort of put on this pedestal or whatnot, but they're not really on a pedestal. They just were the women that were there at the time when they decided to do this thing, and now they're just pushing the biggest stars. And whether you agree or not, and I you know, I think they missed a huge boat not making Bailey a star. We've talked about that many times. Sasha as well, I thought, it many times could have been a star. They've dropped the boat on them being a star, but guess what? They dropped the boat on a lot of people being stars. They fucking suck at building stars. They've been handed around to Rousey, who was already kind of a ready-made star, and that's the best thing for them. They are really great at making stars still be stars. If you give them a star, Vince McMahon is great at that. He was great at it with Hulk Hogan. He was great at that many, many years. Is give the guy that's already a star and let, let Vince put him up a little bit more. Ramp him up a little bit more. He's great at that stuff. That's who they're building. They're building to Ronda Rousey. They're building towards Nikki Bella, who has star potential outside of the, 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 the scope of the company. You can disagree and, and, and argue and get upset that the four horsewomen aren't as well featured and, and Sasha and Bailey aren't doing anything and, and, and you know Alexa's doing this and all this sort of Whatever. I get it. But this is just how they book. Like, this is what it is. And it's like the idea that there's women are on a different pedestal than all the other women is just, it's, it's, it's weird. It's just not, 
It's, it's never been that way. And, and that's, they just so happen to be there when the WWE decided to kind of change their approach with women. And thank God they did change it. Thank God we're getting a pay-per-view like this that, that, that is, is, you know, absolutely re- actually representing women as, as, as wrestlers and as human beings. But, yeah, like to expect them to do anything different than they normally do is, 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 is lunacy. I mean, this is what they do. This is a very normal WWE card from top to bottom. And they push, they push the stars and they bury the people that they don't think are stars. I, listen, I'd say if you're a fan is. of if you're a big fan of WWE, if you're a big fan of, of women's roster in WWE, I think you really need to take a deep breath. I think you need to step back, and I think you just need to enjoy the fuck out of the show because I think it can be very good. And I think the fact that it is such a business success is good news for you if you want more stuff like this because that's what's going to drive part here okay this was an important show from the perspective that it, this is what no one's talking about rich this is an important show from the perspective of if it bombed this whole thing was in trouble and you might not have gotten one of these again you're gonna get another uh all all women show based on the success of this one they'll try it again they'll do anything that works and makes money so you should be thankful that Ronda Rousey sold all those tickets. You shouldn't be annoyed. You shouldn't. You shouldn't uh, be telling me she should be sixth from the top or working the battle royal. You just don't know what you're talking about. You don't have your finger on the pulse. You're lost. This is a good. This is a good thing. You're never going to get perfect cards. And, and if you this is we're not pounding the ground. This is the, the company that we're dealing with here. You're never going to get the perfect card for your sensibilities. It's not going to happen. It's not going to magically happen because it's an old women's show. So, but I do think this is a damn good card. On paper, this is one of the better cards that they've put together in this company, and I'm actually genuinely looking forward to watching this, which is the other thing here. I don't think they really dropped the ball that much at all. Yeah, there's some things I would have done different, but it's a pretty damn good card. Absolutely. Let's get to it here. So you got the uh, the opener, Sasha Banks, Bailey, and Natalia versus the Riot Squad. Obviously, Liv Morgan, Sarah Logan, and Ruby Riot. So that's your opener right there. Uh, you have a battle royal for the women's championship match. I don't know if they've actually designated which women's championship it is. I guess it depends what brand you're in. But uh, the women's battle royal, you have Tamina, Billy Kay, Peyton Royce, Ember Moon, Alicia Fox, Nia Jax, Dana Brooke, Asuka, Mandy Rose, Sonya Deville, Carmella, Lana, Naomi, uh, some returning uh, wrestlers here. You got Tori Wilson, Michelle McCool, Alundra Blaze. She's not Medusa. She's Alundra Blaze. So I hope she comes out in the full Alundra <laughs> Blaze regalia. Ivory, who I don't believe has wrestled since like 2001. So that's kind of cool there. Uh, Kelly Kelly, Maria Kanellis, Molly Holly, and Zelina Vega make up your battle royal right there. Any uh, Anybody there, Joe, that you're uh, excited to see? Any of the, the returning uh, roster that you're excited to see that weren't uh, at the, the Women's Royal Rumble this year? No. <laughs> I think Alundra Blaze. I think it's been about... 20 years for her, too, so that'll be kind of funny, but it's a uh, it's, so. it's, it's whatever. There'll be some nostalgia there, but I'm not wrapped up in that. I like the no, top. No. I like the top of this card. I like yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that as well. Uh, Trish Stratus and Lita versus what is still being announced as Alexa Bliss versus Mick, uh, and Mickey James uh, versus Trish and Lita. Alexa Bliss is dealing with a concussion, we've heard, so Alicia Fox is the alternate, I believe, in that case. So uh, right now, it's... Uh, Sorry, I got the Amazon. Uh, a Bliss and Mickey James uh, versus Trish Stratus and Lita, but uh, we'll see if uh, Alicia Fox gets in there too. Be a demonstrably worse match if Alicia Fox gets in there, but uh, yeah, I know this 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 is going to anger people too because I bet Trish and Lita are going to win, and that's going to make people very very upset. But we'll see. Maybe not. Uh, Yo know, Shirai versus Tony Storm. This is the uh, 2018 May Young Classic Tournament Final. I'm looking forward to this one a lot. Those are two great wrestlers. <laughs> that's going to be fucking great. Well, look. 
as we record this, the fi- the semifinals haven't aired yet. Oh, uh, spoiler yeah. alert! Sorry. Well, I'm gonna by the, by the time I release this, you'll have seen that. No, no, but. no. That no, I, I don't even care about that. I mean, they, 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 that's not where I was going with this. Where I was going with this was, I've reviewed every one of the Mayon Classic shows on the TV reviews on the subscriber side. I got to tell you, Rich, it's been a very mediocre tournament. And and again, I haven't seen the semifinals. That's why I bring that up because you know I don't I don't come at me if those matches are great because I haven't seen them yet. And I hope they're great, but I'm really waiting for some great matches in this thing, and we've only got three matches left. And I have to say, I don't know how confident I am in the Io Shirai versus Tony Storm match because I don't know the positioning. That's going to be key. If they position it you know, in an important spot on the card and they give them 17 minutes, I think that they can go out there and have a great match. Now, Shirai has been a disappointment in the tournament. Um, she has not been good. Um, she's not been terrible, but she's not been good. And she's been sloppy. And uh, it, it, her her star her stardom hasn't come across. Uh, no pun intended. Um, her her some of her aerial moves have been off. And and this is not just Joel Anza. I mean, this is a a common opinion. Uh, Tony Storm. I thought she had a to, at least to this point a better May Young Classic last year than she has this year. I think the May Young Classic last year in general um, was a better tournament than the one this year. Do, has do you, been so is far. there a reason for that? Do you think? Is there anything that stands out to you, or is it just like it's just for whatever reason just not working this year? No, I mean, it's fine. I, I Listen, it, the shows have been fine. I felt like last year's tournament, there were more matches where I was like, wow, you, you should go see that one. Or this person stood out. Or this person just, uh, you know, exploded on the scene and did it. Yeah, there, there was certainly more buzz. I mean, when we talk about the VOW buzz meter, I mean, Way it was going buzz. nuts every single week. Every single week was like, oh, my God, you got to see this match. Now it's like these very faint, like, oh, my God, that was incredible. But there's like three people there saying it, and then no one else says it. And then everybody else just kind of keeps quiet about it. So, yeah, it's been the buzz meter has certainly been lowered this year than, than it was prior years. Where and, they, I mean, and, they've got, and they've got the star power in this one. So that's really not an excuse. It's just. The matches just haven't jumped off the page at all so far. So um, I'm hoping the semifinals, which I'm going to watch in a couple hours, are, are, are something I could finally sink my teeth into. And, um, you know, I hope the final delivers, but it's really going to depend on positioning and and how much. Look, this is a main roster show, so it's going to be formatted by the main roster people. OK, so, you know, Triple H has his influence and I'm sure he wants this to be a heavily featured match. But as we've seen when the 205 Live guys get a main roster match, it's not always the case. Um, they get placed on pre-shows, and they get overly produced in a main roster way, even though the main roster guys don't necessarily produce 205 Live. So I'm a little cautiously optimistic towards the match. So this match is strange, the next one here. This is for the NXT women, uh, UK Women's Championship. Now, I have not seen the first of the NXT UK, because, well, uh, two have aired by the point that we'll record this or whatnot. Joe, you, you saw the first one, of course. Uh, episode. Uh, the second one has not aired, right? By the time we're recording this, it airs tonight. If I'm correct, it, it, yeah. It, it it the Wednesday block right now is all four shows. It's two hundred five live NXT NXT UK, and for two weeks May Young Classic because the May Young Classic obviously wraps up this. Week. Right, right, right. So has Rhea Ripley been shown as the champion yet? Because I know she won him at the tapings, but did they actually show that yet? Has that been actually identified? No, they're probably not going to have this match because it's a tournament and they haven't even started it on TV. That's yet. what I'm saying. So, like, when you go to Wikipedia and you go to these places, they show Ray Ripley versus To Be Decided. And I'm like, are you sure about that? Because I don't think I'm seeing, like, they're deep. I mean, that's deep into the tapings, if I remember correctly, that that entire tournament happened. So, like, I the, the, don't think this match is happening, but. No, the only way is if this week on TV they ignore the fact that it was a tournament and they present the tournament final 
I think it was against Tony Storm, if I'm not mistaken. It was. It was against Tony Storm, correct. Okay. Yeah. So they could always put the tournament final on TV this week and just say that it's a match for the title and do it that way. But then you also or have to give her a little Rio de Janeiro, or I don't know, you can make up a, a, some random <laughs> Cork Ireland. Really yeah. won a tournament in Cork Ireland over the weekend. <laughs> now, see, I don't know why they would even do that because they have all these matches in the can. That, that yeah, you just yeah, have you might work. as well just show the Tony Storm match. So just, but yeah, that sucks because like it's a whole tournament that you just like ignored. But I, but I don't, I don't think know. they're gonna. I don't think they're gonna do that. I just don't think they're gonna have this match. Yeah, I think we'll they, see. they, they. I think they weren't sure when they were gonna start showing the shows, and they weren't sure if they were going to get it in on time, but I don't think Rhea Ripley's going to be on this show, so no. Which but, sucks, because I really like her. I, I like her a lot. I think she's an awesome character. I'll tell and... you what, and she's, yeah, for sure, and she's done well lately, and the thing about it is, uh, the NXT UK show, by the way, was excellent last week. I mean, it's it's exactly what you think it would be. Um, it's it's a, it's a it's network quality. It's It's what, it's a show that wrestling nerds like us can sink our teeth into. You can you can see that it has a red. You can see already that it has solid uh, booking that makes sense and all those sorts of things. They carried over storylines from the last NXT UK tournament, and it's just I, I can I can tell you right now that's going to be a quality show. Yeah, I can't wait. I'm I'm gonna hopefully binge uh, both of them tomorrow. But uh, yeah, I didn't get a chance to watch it this week. But yeah, I'm, I'm really excited because I I've heard I've heard no, no, nothing but rave reviews about it. So I can't wait to. Consume that, especially since now I can pretty safely put NXT uh, in the rear view for a little bit as I, I read through spoilers and said, ah, you know what, I'm going to take a little break from uh, old uh, NXT for a while, as you, as you ranted about uh, in your most recent TV reviews as well. Uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm good for a little bit. So I will use NXT UK to fill the NXT vibe in my life. But I hope Rhea Ripley gets on the show, but I just don't see how it can happen because you got to, yeah, I, I did a count there. So you have seven matches that they taped for the UK uh, Women's Championship. Yeah. So you'd have to essentially scratch six of them from the fucking face of the earth and just play the Tony Storm final this week on the show for it to be that seems really bizarre so and 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 reshoot commentary I mean oh right yeah because you can't be like oh yeah because like you got to pump up that she's facing somebody at yeah that's gonna be yeah you got to build a challenger you you may want to pretend that it's not a tournament or or you may or you may have referenced other tournament matches that the viewers saw but didn't really see in the original commentary. <laughs> so there's Joe, all can I of... say something? Yeah. I fucking love this. I, I live for, like, disat- like tapings that don't quite fit into the can. Like, this yeah. is old-school wrestling. That's the best. Mm-hmm. Where, like, guys had titles and negative title reigns, and they lost them before they won them. Or Ted DiBiase yeah. appearing on a show with a belt that he hadn't won yet. Like, I fucking love this stuff. I wish all wrestling was taped, like, months in advance, so it was a complete disaster when it got finally aired. But, uh, yeah, yeah I, I live for this sort of stuff. Because you don't get this anymore. Everything's live, and everything's kind of normal. This is old-school stuff here. This is, like, what, like, this week, they can just fucking just not acknowledge a tournament and just hand her a title or something. I mean, it's it's this is the good stuff. So, yeah, um, <laughs> pretty pretty good stuff there. But uh, yeah, hopefully she gets. I like Rhea Ripley a lot. I think she's got star written all over her, and I think the momentum now of of after the the you know the injury on uh, the Mayon Classic and and her really working as a heel and that kind of building up. I think yeah, now is a good time. So I, I hope it'd be nice to find a way for her to get on the show because I think she's absolutely a star. But I just don't know if this is the way that they're going to find a way to get her on there. So we'll see. Uh, now we move on to a uh, NXT Women's Championship match. You have Kyrie Sane defending against Shayna Baszler. Joe, what are your thoughts on Sane versus Baszler? Baszler Sane, of course, the champion uh, defending against Baszler. She won it a few months ago, but uh, now the tables have turned. Does Baszler get the title back here? You think? Best built match in NXT right now. I can't wait for. And I think it'll be great. I 
do. I really think it'll be great. Uh, I think it, it it's my front runner for uh, what will be the best match on the show. I, I don't think it'll be the most heated. I think that it'll be interesting here. I think the NXT stuff, I think any of the network stuff that, that happens to end up on the show, whether it's the Mae Young Classic or the NXT, or even if the Rhea Ripley match ends up on the show, might suffer from a lack of heat because I don't know that, you know, the family of four with the eight-year-old and the 10-year-old, the eight-year-old son and the 10-year-old daughter going to this show are paying attention to any of this or know who any of these people are. I think that's a big problem on the main roster. So that could hurt it a little, but, um, you know, in a vacuum, I think this will be the best match. And it was, it's been very well built. And I am just, I am in love with Shayna Baszler. I, I love everything about her and her character and, 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 and the way that she, uh, you know, she's a little rough around the edges still. I think she's, she does clearly belong in developmental still, but man, is she great. I, I cannot get enough of Shayna Baszler. So I'm into this. Yeah, so, yeah, and that's going to be a really interesting thing about this show because it is in some ways a blend of, like, more than any other main show. I mean, we don't get, like, the blend of NXT and, and the blend of the main roster like this on any other, you know, main roster show. I mean, it just doesn't, it doesn't happen. NXT has their show the night prior or whatever, if it's WrestleMania, SummerSlam or whatnot, and you might get, you know, some guys in a, in a, in a Royal Rumble or whatnot, but this is, like, a featured match with their biggest title, and, like, yeah, it's hot as hell to the NXT crowd, but you're run-of-the-mill John Q. Public and, and, and his daughter that comes for Ronda Rousey and Nikki Bella or whatever, are they going to really care about Kyrie Sane and Shane? I don't know. It's going to be really fascinating to see. I, I don't know the makeup of the fans. I don't know if it's like hardcore women's wrestling fans. And, of course, if it is, then they'll be all in on this match. But I don't. I, it's going to be a very interesting dynamic here. I'm led to believe, obviously, given the ticket explosion that it's a lot of your kind of casual fans and they might not give a shit about Kyrie Sane and Baszler. They might not give a shit about Tony Storm and Io Shirai or whatever. So that that's going to be the fascinating thing is how how those matches sort of stack up to the main roster stuff and what people react to. Because, you know, if it's hardcore fans, they might boo Ronda Rousey and Nick Bell out of the building or whatnot. But we can see from the ticket sales that that's not the case. So it's going to be weird to see if, if these matches just get crickets or if the fans are very vocal or whatnot. But that, that's a fascinating part about the show, too. Because we don't get this blend anywhere else on this, on this entire uh, roster ever. Rich, Rich, it's a genuine concern. So, yeah. so uh, I, we'll see what happens. Unfortunately, I don't think they're going to get reactions, but maybe we'll be pleasantly surprised. All right, and then we have uh, this, what is billed, I, I'm assuming, as a semi-main event and probably will be uh, placed there as well. Last women standing. Ugh, gross. Uh, for the SmackDown Women's Championship, you got Becky Lynch versus Charlotte Flair. I'd be a thousand times more into this if it wasn't a last women standing match, but whatever. It's, it's this company. Um... Yeah, I don't know. I mean, these two of their chemistry has been kind of on and off. Like, I, I have not really loved their matches. I think the stories kind of they've kind of lucked into a pretty good story. I think Becky's doing a great job with it. I think Charlotte's starting to kind of find her footing in in the story as well. So the story I think has has, has recovered and it's gotten there. I just don't want to see a last women standing match because it's just a lot of people standing around and counting, and I don't I don't think that's very exciting. So uh, that takes me out of the match a little bit there. What, what are your thoughts on the last women's standing match? Yeah, it's a terrible stipulation. Uh, this is very uh, clearly, to me, the second most pushed match on the show, as well it should be. There are a lot of people who are just anti-Ronda, anti-Nikki, who think this should be the main event. They're delusional. Uh, it should not be the main event. Ronda and Nikki deserves to be the main event. But this is a uh, clearly a pushed match. The problem I have with it is the stipulation. I, I'm kind of into the idea of them having botched the story this whole time, because I have a perverse entertainment factor that I get out of stuff like that. Um, but, you know, the, the stip just... It, it, it makes me very cautious to to be excited about. I do think they can deliver a good match really under any circumstance, but this is like the worst possible stip. I mean, every, I just, I can't stand this it's, stip. 
garbage. It's so garbage. The last man standing, last woman standing. Just trash. I mean, it's just people standing around, laying on the mat, and people counting. Like, that's not fun, ever. It's it's just they love that stiff, though. So, uh, that's, it is what it is. And then, uh, of course, your main event. Just a regular match. Thank God. Uh, Raw Women's Championship. Ronda Rousey defending the title against Nikki Bella. This, I'm assuming, will be a hot match. Um, and I hope, I mean, if they're smart and they don't fucking overbook it and do a bunch of silly shit, is Ronda Rousey just beats her. You know what I mean? Like, I'm sure there'll be some back and forth. Nikki will have some spots. But, yeah, I mean, Ronda should just beat her. I, I mean, that's probably the best way to do it. I, I, I would hope that they don't screw Ronda over or do anything like that. I think it's just, it, you're, they're doing a good thing with Ronda. She just wins. She just beats people and it's getting over and people are excited about it. So just don't fuck around with it too much. Just stick to the plan for now. But uh, what are your thoughts on, on Ronda versus Nikki? Now, to be clear... I'm not super into this myself. I just accept that it's the right main event. I think that's an important distinction. Where I could, in my Jolanza perfect world, would rather see a different, you know, main event or some magical fairyland. You know, Sasha Banks is getting pushed. And she's in a big title match. But I, 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 I can accept, though, intellectually, that this is the proper main event. So I just want to make that distinction clear. Because I'm not super into this. Sure. Now, I'm more into it because I know it's a hot feud. And they have succeeded in making it a hot feud. So that helps. And I do anticipate the crowd being hot, which will also help. Um, so, so yeah, I, you know, it's, it, it, it's, there's a lot of WWE main events where I'm just like, ugh, I've got to sit through this one and write a review about it, and I really don't care about it. But, I, you know, this one, I, I wouldn't put it on that level, but at the same time, I'm not, like, super pumped, you know, with waiting with bated breath. All right, and that is WWE Evolution. So that's, of course, coming up Sunday. We have a uh, preview that will be up on the site uh, probably by the time you listen to this, uh, voiceofwrestling.com. Of course, we'll have a review as well, also at voicesofwrestling.com. And, Joe, you mentioned earlier about the subscriber side, if people don't know about that, patreon.com slash voicesofwrestling, of course. So we do that, or voiceofwrestling.com slash Patreon. is where you can go for the subscriber stuff. A lot of good stuff up there right now. So we should, of course, mention that, that if you want to uh, support us anymore, uh, you go to the Patreon, patreon.com slash voiceofwrestling. A lot of good stuff up there right now. Uh, all right, so that is it for WWE. I think we, uh, as mentioned, we're recording this on Wednesday the 24th. We have not heard anything about Crown Jewel, so uh, maybe something will come up afterwards. But as far as we know, uh, nothing as of the time we're recording this. So, yeah, if, if you're wondering why we're not talking about it or any big news about it, we don't know because nothing has come up. Uh, we're looking at as we're recording this as well. I'm, I'm, I'm refreshing just in case something does happen, but I have not seen uh, a thing yet either. So uh, that's that's that. I think, are we ready to get into... Uh, we got DDT and NWA to finish this show off. Which uh, which one do you want to start out with? The uh, 70th anniversary of the old Peter Pan show, Joe? Uh, let's do the DDT. Let's do it. DDT's Peter Pan was, uh, I believe, Saturday, uh, early Saturday, or, or it was late Saturday, early Sunday, I believe. Uh, attendance. We'll talk about that first before we talk about the show itself. 6259 for the attendance, Joe. What, uh, what can we make of that number? Have you done any uh, digging and looking as to uh, where that kind of ranks historically for Peter Pan shows? Uh, yeah, it's a sellout. The stage setup was for 6300. So with the giant stage and the 6300 setup, that's a sellout. So, um, this was I, I I had it in front of me and I can't find it in my notes anymore. But this was the uh, the best attendance that DDT has done in this building since I believe 2016. They run the building twice a year now, sometimes once, sometimes twice uh, for this and then their Judgment Day show towards the beginning of the year. And uh, this topped I think 
uh, the last three or four shows that they ran in the building. So uh, either way, uh, massive success drawing the sellout. We had a feeling it would sell out. There weren't, weren't very many tickets left in the run-up, especially after they announced uh, Shima uh, being on the show. Um, you know, I still say that was the drawing match on the, on the show. I, I still I stand behind that. Um, I feel like that's when the, uh, the interest levels uh, popped up. But, uh, but look, a, a, a massive success from, a, from, from the business side. You can't do any better than sell every seat that you're putting on sale. Uh, just to do, just to clarify, yeah, Judgment 2016 was the one that did a little bit better. That did six nine three eight. The the main event there was uh, uh, Hiroshima versus uh, Sami Kadoka. So that was the main event of that one as well. So uh, what was the attendance uh, for that? That was six nine three eight, and this okay, one was so... six two five nine. So yeah, I see, uh, just a handful more. Obviously, we're not talking about uh, just you know a couple well, hundred well... people or so different. Not only that, just a different stage setup, and also there are a couple DDT shows in there that have the old round numbers as the attendance announced. So you can assume that those are are fluffed a little, but it doesn't yes, sound DDT like Peter it, Pan that... 2010 did 8,800 people <laughs> right on the dot. Exactly 8,800. That was in 2010. Yeah. So that uh, well, uh, yeah, I was talking some more of the recent ones too. I think where they announced like 5,300 on the dot or something. So um, any way you slice it, I mean, this was you know they sold every ticket. Um, People who follow the seating charts now, we're kind of a little better about this now because we have people who follow seating charts. So it's harder for companies to work numbers even when they want to. So uh, people, you know, we had a feeling this was on a a sellout pace, and that's exactly what we did. So the show was a success. Yeah, so that's, uh, that's obviously from a business standpoint, great for them. Uh, show itself, before we kind of break it down uh, match by match here, we're not going to get into excruciating detail about each match, just kind of highlights of, of each one. Uh, what do you think overall of the show? Long show, obviously, Peter Pan's are always a, a long one. It's the, one of their featured, uh, one of their top two featured you know, shows every single year. Uh, so it was a long show, but uh, what do you think overall of the, of the show, top to bottom? Hmm. How can I be nice about this? <laughs> you um, can't, so just say it. How long was this show? Six hours plus? Somewhere around there, yeah. I, I think about six and a half or so. Now, Rich, I am on record. If you count the dark, if you count the dark match, I, I watch both of the dark matches too. So maybe a little bit longer if uh, so, you so take, if you don't count the dark matches. So, so we're talking a six or seven hour show, and I am on record. You're having your biggest show of the year, your second biggest show of the year. I I am in favor of companies flexing and having as long of a show as you want. That's, oh yeah, it didn't bother the length. The length itself didn't bother me all that much. If you know the DDT fan base is going to sit there and be and, and watch a seven hour show, then then more power to them. If the if the New Japan fan base doesn't have a problem with a five-hour Wrestle Kingdom. You know, biggest show of the year, that's fine. My problem, Rich, is when your run-of-the-mill monthly big show, all of them are four and a half, five hours long. That's right, that can really grate on you. Uh, and when that happens, the match, if the, show, the shows have to be good. If you're going to run a long show under those circumstances, it better be good. Otherwise, it's too long and it's going to drive people nuts. But anyway, the length of the show didn't bother me. Um, now, not all of this was for me. I can tell you that in those seven hours... I would say that there was probably 45 minutes of what I would call great wrestling that I enjoyed a lot. Um, And then there was probably another hour, maybe, of wrestling that I thought was perfectly competent and acceptable and kept me entertained. The, The other five hours and 15 minutes or whatever it is, I thought was absolute trash. I have to be honest. But here's the thing. Um, This got very good reviews from people who follow the company day in, day out. 
I think if you're into the DDT style and you're into the comedy and you're into sort of the sleaziness of some of the other stuff and you're into, you know, their style of wrestling, it seems as though this was a massive success and people all love the show. Um, I know that Wrestling Omokase is doing a review of it this week. So you can get our perspective here, which is of people who casually follow DDT and admittedly never like the goofiness of DDT. And then you can get a review from a team of people, follow the company day in, day out, love the company, and are into all of the goofiness that Rich and I just are never going to like. So that's about as fair as I can put it. But at the same time, I can't come out here and sugarcoat. The stuff that I didn't like, I'm going to bury. I mean, because that's what we do here. And the stuff that I like. And there was stuff on this show that I really liked. And I guess we'll get to that too. But, um, you know, we're not going to do intense... uh, you know, reviews of every single match. We can blow through the, the first few. Rich, it started with a dark gauntlet battle royal. And, you know, uh, you know, for people who follow New Japan, it was a Rambo. It was a Rambo with a bunch of DDT undercard talent and some outside talent and some goofiness. And anyone who buries a match like this it needs to find something better to do with their time. <laughs> yeah, you're really, you're really you're, just a bad person. <laughs> it's, it, there's nothing wrong. It was, it, was, it was fun for what it was, which is what we say about every Rambo, and which is what we say you know, about most dopey pre-show battle royals that you're going to find on shows like this. I, I thought you know, I, had some, I had some cheap laughs watching this and laughing at some of the dopey talent and watching this. It was fine. It was a pre-show battle royal. You need to take off your critic hat when you're watching a pre-show battle royal. You're with me, Rich? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, I love it. I mean, yeah, it, like, on its face, it kind of, like, it, it was a bad... But who gives a shit? It's Gorgeous Matsuno doing, like, you know, slapping people. It's fine. Whatever. Who cares? You had Fifth Tiger Mask self-described or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, who cares? Like, yeah, no, I, I enjoyed it for what it was. I, I, I had some good laughs during this one, so um, thumbs up for me. Then we had a, uh, a six-person... I don't want to say dark, because I don't want to upset Jim Cornette, who is mad. Did you know this, Rich, about Jim Cornette? Here's another Jim Cornette thing. <laughs> Jim Cornette's mad about something? Hold on. Get, get, hold on. He, really? it, he Indeed he is. You know what please, he's mad about? Please try to describe this. Yeah, what's he mad about today? He's mad about people calling things dark matches that aren't really dark matches because they air. And, you know, he's not really wrong. I no, don't know. I made this to you. I made this to you last week. Yes. I remember you said, no, it's dark. And I was like, well, not really, though, because it's like airs and like it's, it's you know, which is why they're like, yeah. So I'm, I'm kind of with Corny on that one. That's why I bring it up, because you had made the same point. Um, this we watched it. By definition, this is not dark. It's a pre-show match. That's fine. You want to call it that. Yeah, pre-show is one thing. Dark is, is, is different. Yeah. Dark is... It's, it's, it's a match... Tom, but, Tom McGee, Bret Hart. You know, that's kind of a, a dark match in history. Well, that was a house show, right? Um, I don't know. I don't remember what that was. It's, yeah, I forget it, what it was. If it's a match on a TV taping or a pay-per-view and it's before the show and it doesn't air in any form and then 25 years later they put it on their streaming service as a hidden gem, that's a dark match. You know what I mean? Like, these were pre-show matches. They fucking aired on their YouTube channel. So, um, yeah, I, I got to tell you, uh, I'm with you and Cornette. You have swung me. <laughs> oh, <laughs> God. I, I can't believe I'm... Oh, this is bad, because later in the show, I'm going to put Cornette over. Jesus Christ. I got uh, to badmouth him about something. So, so anyway, we I'll had figure sh- something out later. So We had Shoko Nakajima and Yuka Sakazaki. They're a tag team. They teamed with Mizuki. And they defeated Mina Shirakawa, Miyu Yamashita, and Yuki Kamafuku. It was a match. It was fine. 
I really like that the the team that won uh, the Miraclinas, I believe, is that and, and Mizuki. They were because they, one of them had like I, I forget. Unfortunately, I've never seen these people before, um, so unfortunately, I, I I don't know exactly who every single person was. I tried to, you know, I I mentioned to John Carroll, uh, the host of Wrestling Omakase, uh, to see if they could help me identify every person that was in it or whatnot. Because there was, I really liked that team. The the, the the team that ended up winning. The other team was kind of crappy. <laughs> like Mino was was bad at wrestling and. Uh, apparently she has just like began. She's like her second match ever, and 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 whatnot. But the team that did win, the 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 the, the Nakajima, uh, Sakazaki, and then Mizuki. I mean, I love them because they like they were just fucking flying around the ring, and they they reminded me of like two thousand one Jack Evans, where it's just like he just did shit. You know what I mean? Like he just flipped, he just dove, he just did fucking shit in a match, and it was like in nine minutes they're flying all over the ring, and I actually enjoyed this a lot. So I I, I enjoyed that team. Uh, quite a bit because I, I I like that they were flying. I like that there was just no fucking rhyme or reason what they were doing. Just fly, just do cool shit, get out there and 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 win the match. So I, I enjoyed that aspect of it. That they just yeah, there was no uh, no rest holds or anything like that. It was just flips, dives, jumps, kicks, all that sort of stuff. But I thought they did a pretty good job here. Six man tag team title: the Damnation Team of Mad Poli, Soma Takeo, and Tetsuya Endo defeated the Disaster Box Team. Of, Disaster uh, Box is a great name. That's an incredible name, but. Kazuki Hirata, Toru Owashu, Ueno, a team made up of uh, some various uh, miscreants. You've got some Dragon Gate system flameouts. You've got Ueno on that side. But uh, Damnation retains, and it was fine. On this show, I think it would qualify as maybe the third or fourth best match on the show. I, I You know, there was some solid action here. It was, uh, But again, I, I don't have any glowing praise or any real... Uh, damning critiques. I don't have a ton to say about this. I'd give it the gentleman's three. Away we go. I'm about the same as you. Uh, I think uh, uh, Soma Takao and, and, and Endo, we've talked about them many times on the show before, uh, every time we do talk about DDT, but those dudes rule. Uh, and they stood out, of course, as, as far and away the best guys in this match as well. I mean, I think those two, you can you can, you can just see that those guys are, are, are they're next level good, where the rest of the guys in the match... You know, a, a, a mixture, like you said, of, of, of flame outs, you know, older guys, just stuff like that. Whereas those two guys really stood out to me. So I think that's the only thing that I, I, I kind of got out of it was that those two guys are still great and, and, and still good and still guys that, you know, I, I really do appreciate. But yeah, otherwise, three, three stars about where I'd put it as well. Just wasn't their time to be higher on the card this time around, like for a guy like Endo. So he's doing something else right now. So we had the uh, tag team gauntlet. This uh, was won by the uh, Kudo, who. Uh, and Takanashi, really, two veterans of the promotion. Uh, they win the gauntlet. And uh, this opened up with Mike Bailey and Antonio Honda, I believe, against the uh, Jason Kincaid team. Uh, Kincaid and uh, Watase. And then it went on from there. To me, the highlights of this are when big Kazusada Haguchi got in the ring uh, with his team. He was the clear standout to me of this entire gauntlet. Uh, he feels like a man wrestling with boys when I see him in a match like this. Yep. He's twice the size of everybody else. He's got the sumo background. He's tossing guys around. Ah, man, I just cannot wait for this guy to mix it up in Noah in the Global League. Yeah, I, I, we that was a we were I was talking. I just I had no idea, and like people are like, "Oh, you probably knew this," and you were just saying it. Like I mentioned last week that I would love to see that guy in Noah, and everyone's like, "Ah, you idiot! He's in Noah. He's coming into Global League. That is going to be he is going to fit so well, and everyone's going to be with us when they see him after Global League." Going, "Oh yeah, he probably shouldn't you know be doing that stuff." And I get it. Like people are like, "Oh, he's good in the comedy stuff. I that's fine. He can be good in the comedy stuff, but he is." Too, I mean, like, I don't want to say too good to be in DDT because that's I, I, that's not the way I mean it. 
but it just feels like you said out of place he feels like a man wrestling boys where in Noah it, it it feels like he just feels like a Noah wrestler you know what I mean he just feels like a guy that can muck it up so much better in pro wrestling Noah than he does you know in DDT so I, I don't know and that, I'm not taking him away from DDT and all that sort of stuff I just mean yeah I think it'll be it'll be obvious to people what we've been saying for so long you know when, when you see him in global league so it's you know I had this discussion on Twitter with with some people and, and they did make the point that he has gotten over a little bit better doing the comedy stuff. But that's kind of my point. I don't think he should have to do comedy to get over. I think he'd be a better fit in a place where he could just get over for being awesome. And he doesn't have to kind of um, resort to the house style, which clearly uh, shouldn't and isn't his strength, shouldn't be and isn't his strength. So it's like, again, I'm not advocating for him to leave DDT, which is how people may take this. What I'm saying is, I just don't think he is a good fit for his home promotion. And you can say that probably about a couple of wrestlers in any company in the world. And I just, I just, and in a match like this, I, I feel like, I don't know. I, I again, the you know, the best description I can have. You got this guy who felt like you have a grown ass man who should be competing for top titles in Japan and 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 being big matches, and he's. Fucking around in a tag team gauntlet, which half of it is comedy and half of it is his juniors, and and it's just I don't know. He just always feels out of place to me. And my arg- my counter argument always is he doesn't really connect with DDT's fan base either. He never does well in that general election that they have every year, which is a shoot. And uh, he always finishes like twentieth. I mean, he doesn't even finish. This is the guy that finishes like just out of the top ten. Rich, he he like finishes almost dead last. Right, right, so, so and, and you can feel, and you can sense that, like if he, like again, if he goes to nowhere, something like that, he's gonna be a fucking star, like because he's just great, and like we've seen it before that he's so good. So I don't know, maybe we'll be wrong, and he's just an absolute flop in Noah, and we're like, ah, maybe DDT is the best thing for him, but shit, well, it, I don't it, think so. <laughs> it's gonna be interesting. We'll see how he mixes it up with those guys and works a different style. And you're right, he could flop. Maybe his matches will stink. Maybe that won't be. But a he good feels, and, and like you said, with the sumo background, the way he looks, the way he wrestles, the way he carries himself, he just feels like a, like a guy that would debut in Noah in like 2004. You know what I mean? Like just like he just feels not of this time and not of this company, which isn't a criticism of DDT. They are what they are, and obviously they're successful. He just doesn't feel like one of them, if that makes sense. Where he feels so much like a Noah guy. But yeah, we'll, we'll see what ends up happening. Yeah, I mean, it, it just it'd be like if like Marafuji went to Dragon Gate be like it's not a good fit like it no there's a yeah oh yeah Kenta and Dragon Gate like no yeah exactly no, it's just like no <laughs> it just doesn't I don't know it just doesn't feel right so we had uh Cassandra Miyagi and Miko Satamura versus Maki Ito and Sakai Akai and this I did want to talk about a little bit because I thought Miko Satamura uh picking on I knew I was going to mix them up Rich do you remember which of these two girls because it was my first time seeing both was the taller oh was the taller one with the white Shoot. ear. Um, crap, I don't. I thought it was Ito I think it's a, up. I think it's Akai. Oh, oh I think shit. Akai. No, I think Akai is the taller one. That's what I'm saying. Um, I want to bury the taller one. Is what I'm getting. Okay, at. all right. Let's 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 discover this can here you, real quick. Well, one of them you? is okay. So there's a huge age discrepancy. Do you remember young or old? Because one's 23 and one's like 34. So. I don't know. One came from the idol world and is now a wrestler. And she, oh, that's a Kai. That's a Kai. She's like five nine, which is actually huge. You know, for like a Japanese woman to be. No, five, no, no. Nine. The idol one was the smaller one that was good. The tall. Okay. Oh Jesus. Okay, hold on. Slow down. Okay, restart. We have not had this conversation, Joe. Next match. <laughs> what did you want to talk about? Listen. Yes. I want to bury the taller one, okay? okay. Just if 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 let's 
Google these two because uh, I forget which was which. I got it. I got it. Okay. Okay. Akai is the taller one. She is okay. five nine. That's what I thought. Akai stinks. That's what I want to talk about. Okay. She has that 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 summer ray quality to her, where she's like a newborn baby giraffe, and she can't even walk. She's like a she's like a, a baby deer trying to walk across ice. Like she's terrible. She was awful. I don't know her experience level. I don't care. All I know is I was watching bad wrestling. Now. Miko Satamura beating up on Ito, okay, which is the smaller girl. She came from the idol world, I'm told, from the people I talked to. She was the one in, like, the skirt. Like, she had, like, yes. kind of a schoolgirl skirt outfit thing going. Correct. That was some of the best stuff on the show. Satamura beating up on the smaller girl. Saki Akai stunk, and every time <laughs> she got into the ring, and, and, the, and, and, and Satamura, the other heel, Miyagi, she was fine. But this Akai totally dragged this match down. To the point where she was so offensively bad to me in every way. She looked like a trainee who was out of her depth. And she is now to the point where she would have to have like 10 amazing matches in a row to turn me around. Because you know how I am. When I get down on someone, I'm down on them. Oh, it's over. Yeah, it's going to take. It's it's years before you. It takes me a while then to turn the corner. This Akai was bad. Now, I'm told that Akai does have a reputation for not being very good. So. I guess my instincts were good. I guess what I saw was what everybody else sees. But as far as Miko Satomura beating up on Ito, that was some of the best shit. Both oh, the, yeah. I both mean, the finish and the post-match. Yeah, I mean, that's what she's best at is beating the fuck out of, you know, being the, the old guard that beats the fuck out of the young ones. So, yeah, it was uh, yeah, it was perfect. I thought she was great. And, yeah, of course, she's she's awesome. So uh, I had similar thoughts to you. I don't know if I was, like, as offended by <laughs> Akai, but it's one of those things where, like, the, maybe the first time you noticed it, you kind of lost it and, you like, you couldn't recover. I don't know. I guess I just thought she was bad the entire time, but never, like, offensively bad like you did. But I, I, I could see. I know that, like, when something, and, and I have that in matches, too. When something bothers you once, like, you then now, you're just over it. And then, then you're hyper-focusing on it, and you just can't get through the entire show without, or the entire match without worrying about it. But, uh, yeah, that's, uh, but, yeah, no, 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 no. Because beating up on, on, on Ito was, was awesome stuff, and she's great at that, so. So, Strong Hearts beat All Out, six-man tag. This was, I thought, the uh, second-best match on the show. I thought that T-Hawk looked like an absolute motherfucking superstar on this show. I thought T-Hawk looked more like a superstar than he has ever looked like a superstar before. And Lindemann has really been the standout in a lot of the Strongheart stuff around the world or whatever, and, and for good reason, not on this show. T-Hawk looked like he should be the fucking ace of every company in Japan. He looks so fucking good. I cannot get over how great T-Hawk came across. It's just the way he carries himself. He's throwing knees in people's faces, and they're all connecting. And the all-out guys can work. The problem with the all-out guys is the general problem I have with the DDT roster. None of them have I mean, these are just, they all come off like indie guys. Even the ones that can go. Some of them can't go, but they're buried on the undercard. That's fine. They're working the battle royal. Nobody cares. Some of them are, 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 are perfectly competent wrestlers, but they just have shitty looks. Or they just don't have charisma. Or it's a combination of both. And, and look, I get all-out is like, these are mid-card guys. I get it. These aren't your super main event. But still. This, you know, th- this is why I think we talked about last week that DDT might have some problems. They just, their roster just, I don't know, it's very top-heavy to me. And I know people say it's super deep and I got 50 great wrestlers. I don't know. I watch these guys and I see a bunch of charismaless guys who can kind of wrestle okay. That's not jumping off the page. And that's not going to impress new fans um, if they plan on, uh, you know, expanding to the West. That's not going to get it done. I mean, All Out is not going to get it done. I'm sorry. It just isn't. I watch this match and Stronghearts just... Um, even even the Chinese guy who's less experienced, Ying Nang, 
I thought Strongheart's badly outclassed All Out in this match. And it's not as if these All Out guys aren't good wrestlers. It's just the Strongheart guy. Oh, they're so much better and better refined and just better at the little things and just the way they carry themselves and the way that they look. And, uh, and T-Hawk in particular, I mean, he looked like a superstar. He looked like when you go to an indie show. You know what he looked like to me? He looked like when I used to go to indie shows in Texas five years ago and I'd see Keith Lee and then I'd go, that guy's the star. The rest of these guys are okay, but that dude, he'll be on TV someday. That's what it felt like watching T-Hawk in this match. Yeah, that's and, and that happens quite a lot too. Where, where I, I I love that feeling of going to a show. I remember that from uh, Ricochet. I saw him like, God, it had to be seven or eight years ago at this point. He had he hadn't done a whole lot yet. He had just been doing some little stuff and just like. And, and I told I was with a friend at that time, and I, and still anytime I go with like casual fan friends or whatever, and they're like, Oh my god! Like I, I look at who they jump out at. There's just like a noise. You know what I mean? Like for some reason these guys just sound better. Like everything they do just sounds and looks better. Like Phoenix is one of those guys too, where you're just like, That dude's a fucking star. That guy's gonna be a star. But yeah, Ricochet is one that I remember seeing many many years ago when he was still skinny and he was like 21 years old or whatever. But you could just tell, Holy shit, this guy's got it. Like this guy's gonna be incredible. I remember the Bucks. I saw them many 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 years ago before they had really kind of blown up, and and you could just sense they're like, Oh dude, these dudes know what's going on and they get it. So that, that's a great feeling that you get but no i'm right with you on that where you know it was pretty telling that that lindemann and t-hawk just seem so much of the stars you know what i mean like they so outclass the all-out guys and that's not really you're using it as sort of a negative and i, I suppose you could do it that way i see it as more of a positive of just like i want to give lindemann and t-hawk their credit for being like as good as they were even even uh uh was it yingman or yingnan i don't know how you pronounce his, his name exactly i think it's duan Ningman or yingman or whatever but he was awesome too in this but no i thought lindemann and t-hawk especially just stood out they were stars they were just like oh these guys get it these guys know it and and you could yeah said you maybe reflect poorly on the all-out guys or however you want to sort of take it but the thing with t-hawk too is it's like where was this why this guy main evented kobe world like he just left a funeral you know and then like he comes on this show and he's fucking throwing knees and he's got charisma out of the, what the hell this where was this for like the last four or five years i think there's we're, a couple we're i think dying for this <laughs> like i just well, never came i think there's a couple of things here number one he's a little more older and a little more confident and uh you even see that confidence in lindemann now and number two and I hate to go back and harp on this, but, you know, you see him in there with Shima and Shingo and, 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 and uh, you know, Masato Yoshino and the Rookie Doi and these guys who have actual charisma and, and, and are stars and are great wrestlers. And no offense to All Out, but they're not Masato Yoshino and the Rookie Doi and, and Okay, Shingo so I, I, I see that. Maybe, you know, in, in, yeah, he's against, like, some of the most charismatic wrestlers ever, and then, yeah, that might... Yeah, it, I, okay, I see what you're saying there. You know, I... I'd say the most charismatic wrestlers ever, but you're on the same wavelength as me. It's like you're in there with real, actual stars who, who know how to get over and can exude charisma, and now you're in there with Shunma Katsumata. I mean, you know, so I mean, it's it's a little easier to stand out. But I do think, I do think he's also showing more confidence and and, and, and man. And, and again, it's like you know, people are gonna take this like I'm just burying these all out guys six feet under. It, it it it's it's probably coming off that way. It's not meant to. They're good. They're good, competent wrestlers with no charisma. That's what I'm trying to get across here. They're just guys. They're just guys, okay? Akito is not yeah, guys. You, you know, know what? You're, you're, you're trying to, especially with these guys. These are young up and coming. You want star, You want to say who? Who's going to be the star here? Like Higuchi we talked about earlier. That guy feels like a star. Endo and, and, and Takao is a guy, two guys that I think, 
in the future can definitely get to that point or, or, or are definitely working that way. Lindemann is a guy who, back in the Dragon Gate days, even even when he was kind of coming up and doing the stuff with uh, uh, UC Santa Maria, it felt like he was going to be a star at some point. Like, that's what you're sort of looking for with young wrestlers. Yeah, it's great to develop, like, guys on your roster, but when you're looking at it and, and really putting over a roster, you want to say, hey, who are the future stars? And if you're going to be one of the best rosters in wrestling, you got to have future stars up and down the card. That's Yeah, that's kind of the point. I, I don't yeah. I don't see this as one of the best rosters in wrestling like some of them do. I, I actually, right, you're, you're not burying them as wrestlers. No, you're burying them as, like, potential future stars yeah. to keep an eye on. Like, that's there's a big difference there. Like, it, yeah, good, solid hands, yeah, of course. Just, like, their, just, their, I don't, just their look and the way they come across, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think actually it's actually, I think, patently absurd. I don't think this. No, I just I don't see it. I I just think, and, and and you know a lot of it's hidden beneath nonsense, and and it's hard to see. But in a match like this, I saw you know guys who can wrestle and can go, but they just they lack charisma. You know, you yeah. Put, and, well, and then you're gonna see in the main event the guy who's like the star of this unit and like a guy who's so leaps and bounds above guys. You know, or the semi-main event, I should say, leaps and bounds above these other guys. Uh, and Takashita, who like, yeah, that dude's got it. That guy's like a fucking star. So to call these guys like future, it, it just seems yeah a little disingenuous when like. And I, I don't. That dude's and, a star. Yeah. And I don't know that anyone's calling them future stars, but you know, it's it's. I don't know. I just don't. I, I'm not nearly as high on this roster. So. Yeah, I got you. All right. So we had Makato Oishi and Masaki Ohata. This was the uh, the married couple match, and they defeated Joey Ryan and Lauren James. I'll be honest with you. Um, it was only like five minutes long, but I fast forwarded most of it. I have no use for Joey Ryan. <laughs> Damn it! Well, uh, it's gonna be a terrible review because I saw Joey Ryan come out and I said, "You know what? I got better ways to spend the next five to ten minutes. I don't know how long this match is." Uh, so I skipped. Yeah, I did not watch it either. I just I, <laughs> there's there's so much going on in my life. So much good wrestling and nice outside. I got dogs. I got yeah. I can go work out. I can. I, there's forty five thousand things I'd rather do in my life than watch. Six minutes of a Joey Ryan match, so I just skipped it as well. So, sorry. Yeah, that, that's a review. It's, it's fuck Joey Ryan. So. This is the portion of the show where it was just fucking the dirt worst for like an hour. I mean, there's just everything <laughs> everything from Joey Ryan until the end of the intermission. Oh, stop. Well, we're going we're gonna to have a disagreement about the next match then. But it, was just, it was all fucking garbage. I mean, the, the blown up panda thing was next. And this oh, is, how dare you. This is just dumb weeb shit. I just, I can't. <laughs> I liked it. I enjoyed it. I Well, then you talk about it, because I thought this was just a. <laughs> I mean, what are you talking about? There was two inflatable pandas fighting each other. But no, All right. I, well, I, when I, I watch my pro wrestling, that's not what I want to see. I, I, I get it. No, that's fine. Uh, to me, like, I, I initially turned it on like, oh, geez, like, this is going to be. And I, I found myself laughing a few times at it. So, I mean, whatever, you know, 10 minutes. And I, and I enjoyed portions of it. Um I mean, I, what do you, I, it's impossible to review this, you know, obviously. <laughs> it was a giant panda against uh, Super Sando, uh, Shandong Machine, and then Shandong Machine got another panda, and then there was two pandas fighting each other, and then the one panda won, so. This they, fucking, teased, they teased a face turn for the panda, and then he turned on him, and he turned heel. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's utter nonsense. I, I, enjoy, I enjoyed laughing at it, so I, and again, and I again, will not I, bury it like you. I hate, so. I hate the harp on this. You bring this stuff to the West, it, your, your product's not getting um, we had the weapon rumble match. Oh, you should bury this more than the fucking panda thing. This was this was this match um, sucked. This is I, horrible. I don't consider the inflatable thing like a match or anything. I just consider <laughs> that like no, no. I'm, I, I just consider there wasn't. That, yeah, I mean, all they did was like club each other and then watch uh, PowerPoint videos and like, yeah, and, and, and people and stuff were, like that. People yeah. were laughing and it, whatever. It just isn't for me. Now the weapon rumble fucking was terrible. It just sucked. It was awful. Oh. God, and, 30 and, minutes and I'm never going to get back. Whatever it was, 24 minutes or whatever, yeah. And it actually gets worse on this show, in my opinion. But the, the weapon... 
Women Rumble was just, I mean, you know, this Mao, they tell me, you know, I, I've seen very little of Mao. I have seen Mao. I've seen very little of Mao. I can't sit here and give you an intelligent opinion of Mao, but this is not this is not the best showcase for Mao. Now, I get that this is kind of Mao's thing, okay? This is kind of the role that Mao's taken on. But, you know, this rep, this is just, this DDT bullshit, I, it's just not for me. This is just typical DDT. They got cell phones out. They're bringing out fucking uh, dressers. I, I, I just... I, Rich, I don't know. I, it's just not for me. There's no point in me sitting here killing it. It just, it's, to me, it's garbage. I don't know. Yeah, you know, and, it, and no, yeah, it, exactly. And what's funny is when you go into, like, cage match, the, you know, the inmates of cage match, they give it, a, like, a 7.8. It's recommended or whatnot. And that's when I, I, you know, this is where you have to just chalk it up and say, not for me. Like, I thought it fucking sucked. You thought it sucked. They liked it. People that like DDT, I, I assume, liked it. So, whatever. I mean, that, we're going to talk about that with the main event, too. Sometimes it's not for you. You're, you're not the target audience. So, yeah, all we could say is, like, that we didn't like it. And we're not saying that you can't enjoy it. We're not saying that we're because you know you you criticize the panda on Twitter and oh my god you thought Joe you would have said the word if if you just this guy doesn't like watching inflatable pandas I enjoyed it he didn't that's fine though that doesn't mean you can't enjoy it it doesn't like mean that you no longer can can like why why people get so upset about that we didn't like the weapon rumble you can like it it's fine like that's how things exist like I mean you could see why someone wouldn't enjoy this crap I mean but the but the uh, you know it, it's like. What was I going to say? I lost my train of thought. But, um, yeah, I don't know. There's just, Oh, I, here's what I was going to say. You know, when, when Kota Ibushi was in DDT, he did a lot of shit like this. But here's the thing. I didn't like that either. Like, when, when Kota Ibushi was riding bicycles or fighting in the woods or going down the river in a fucking raft with El Generico, I didn't like that, that crap. <laughs> I didn't like that stuff either. It's just not for me. I, I, I don't. Yeah. That's not what I want to see when I watch wrestling. I want to see people who hate each other beat each other up and fight for titles, and that's just what I'm into. Um, you know, but when Kota Ibushi got in the ring and he wrestled Kenny Omega and El Generico in a straight match or whoever else, I was into that. You know, it, it was always this thing. We've said, I've said from day one, half of the DDT card can go right in the fucking trash. The other half, I'm usually into it. And this was just, did not work for me at all. Um, I, you know, it connects with their audience and that's fine. This will never, ever be for me. All right. Yeah. Uh, what do you think about this tag match now? We'll move on next. Yeah, so we had uh, Kasuki Ishii, and uh, this was the Eerie. He teamed with Eerie, who this was his, uh, I believe this was his farewell match. They did the big farewell afterwards. They beat Hiroshima and Yukio Sakaguchi. Um, look, you know, it was fine. This was probably the third or fourth best match on the show, in all honesty. Hiroshima always gives you a professional performance, plus it had all the emotion afterwards and stuff. So we'll see where Eerie goes from. Uh, yeah, I, the year thing is, is, is strange. I, um, you know, I, I, <laughs> for his tour of America, he was, he, I don't know where he was based exactly, but I know he popped up on like a bunch of Chicago shows. I would always, I, I went to an Evolve show and he's just like walking around <laughs> like, you know, he's like, he's not booked on the show, but he's just kind of like hanging around and he's just like with people and stuff. I don't know, man. It, it's, it, it seems like a weird, and he must love America or something. Or I don't know what, what exactly the, the circumstances are. I don't know what people have said, but man, I, just seems weird to to want to do this, but I know that he's kind of been I, I don't know down on D. I, I don't know exactly what's going on here. It just seems it seems strange, like him coming back to the U.S. indie scene. I I don't know. It just felt like it wasn't that good of a run when he did it a year ago. But maybe he wants to just make it a home base, or maybe he's got something planned that we don't even know about or whatnot. But uh, I don't know. It just seems a little strange uh, for 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 me. I think he just fits uh, pretty well in this DDT roster. But I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. We'll we'll, we'll see how it goes. But uh, I hope I get to see him wandering around. You know, shows <laughs> like, and he stands out too. You know what I mean? There's like a six foot three, you know, green mohawk Japanese man just wandering around uh, these shows in like street clothes or whatnot. But uh, yeah, it's 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 a little strange. But uh, yeah, we'll we'll see. He needs more. Nice of an guy edge. though. He he needs more of an edge. He 
he's he's a big dude, and he can go, but he just comes off too passive and, and soft. He needs an edge. I really think he needs to uh, uh, change his image a bit. He's leaving this. He's a good opportunity to kind of give yourself a new coat of paint. You know, um, I don't know. He just uh, – I'm trying not to be – look, I like him. I'm not trying to be overly critical. I just – I don't think uh, – there, 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 there's a cap on him with his current style. I think he just – he needs an edge. So yeah. – uh, we got Shima versus Konosuke Takashita. This, to me, was the best match on the show. Um, <laughs> I might as well just go all in if I'm going to do it. But I mean, Takashita, I think, is a little overrated. I've always felt that way. I've always felt Endo Ooh. is the. I've always felt Endo is the better of the two. I've always said that they will always be connected at the hip. But that said, I don't think he's bad or anything. I think he's very good. Joe, why do you hate Takashita and think he sucks? <laughs> no, stop dancing around it. Just. No, I'm just joking. So I, I do think he's a little overrated, and 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 you know I I it's, it's not that I think he's awful or bad or isn't good. I think he's good. I I think he's especially someone who was great very early at a young age. Um, but there's something missing, I think, with him. I do think there's something missing with him. I thought Shima, and again, this will be taken the wrong way, but you're dealing with Shima. He outclassed him. I really think he outclassed him. Especially, we didn't talk about it, the post-match stuff Shima did in the all-out six-man. I mean, he just came off like the biggest star in the show, which he should because he is the biggest star in the show. Um, but it, it's it's Takashita's very good. And look, and part of it might be that that's how this was designed because this was a match where Shima really ate him up, but I think that was the point because he just dominated him for 20 minutes and worked on his leg and had the one spot where you know he used the chair behind the ref's back to weaken him. And then he just worked on his leg for, 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 the, for the duration of the match from there. And Takashita was very good in this match. There's no question about it. But my God, did Shima come off like the biggest star in this place on this show. And it helped that the match was structured this way. Uh, for sure. There's no question about it. I think they wanted Shima to come off like the biggest star on this thing and, and the biggest asshole and you wanting to see Takashita get that revenge at some point, which I believe... Well, yeah, you want will. that follow-up. If, if, yeah. if Takashita just beats him here, then it's like, all right, well, goodbye, Stronghearts. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, their leader is done, and, and that's it. So, yeah, no, it made a lot of sense that your young upstart got, you know, just stomped down and, and, and destroyed by kind of the old guard and, and, and the, the invader and whatnot. I think, yeah, it was obviously the best booking of, of the match in, in my mind. Um, thoughts on the actual match? I, I To me, I... I, I, I like Takashita. I think he's pretty damn good. And I thought this match, you know, you can say that Shima, Shima definitely dominated the match because that was the intention was for him to kind of work him over. I think Takashita did a great job selling his leg as well, though. I thought he played, I mean, for a 23-year-old, I think, and, and, and I guess maybe this is what sort of lends you credence to your, your overrated thing because, like, he's not there yet, but I think people, and, and or, I, I don't want to speak for other people, but the way I look at it is I look at, I judge him on a curve of, oh, my God, this guy's only 23 years old and he's already this good. How good is he going to be in a few more years? Like, no, maybe he's not there yet. Maybe Shima's light years better than him at this exact moment. But I always play that futures game of like, oh, shit, he's already doing this, 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 this. He's already carrying himself like this. He's already doing this. At 23, oh, my God, I can't wait to see what the progression is. And he might, it might this might be it. Like, he might just peter out, and, and this is all we get from him. But so that's sort of how I look at it in, in a sense that... And you can call that overrating if you want. If you want to sort of say that, hey, people are acting like he's a, he's a superstar and he's great and he's awesome already when he's maybe not quite there yet, but... 
there's all the building blocks and all the potential for him to be there. That's sort of how I look at him in, the, in that way. And maybe I do overrate him in that sense because I think that he's got all the tools to become just a, an absolute superstar, and he's almost there even though he's only 23 years old. So, it, like, there's a little caveat there because I thought he was good in this match, but he wasn't. He didn't get to show off a ton because a lot of it was him selling for Shima. But I thought in that selling, I thought he did a great job with that, which, you know, for a 23-year-old, that, to me, that's pretty good to be that good at selling your leg and that, you know, coordinated about it and, and, and really make it play up in everything that you did in the rest of the match. I, 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 I enjoyed that aspect of it, even if Shima did seemingly outclass him in, in, in some ways in this match. But I think he, I think both things can be true. I think he can, you, Shima can outclass him, but Takashi can still be very, very good and, 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 and you know, a future potential star. In, yeah, in, he was in great. Respect, he was so. excellent in the match. I thought all the things you said are true. It sold very well. This was a match which required that, for sure. So uh, definitely the first chapter in this story here, and he'll get more shine when they wrestle each other again. Yeah, oh, and, and and that's when I left this match. Like I didn't, I didn't love it. I could probably gave it about four flat, maybe four and a quarter, because I feel like they have so much more left. They have a they have a great match between them in the future. I mean that that all it needs is Takashi to actually have a little bit more offense and and, and and some more you know back and forth or whatnot, and and then I think then you're gonna look at that. So that's why I felt comfortable rating this at about a four because I feel like. There's going to come a match later that these two are going to have. You can tell the chemistry already is there where these guys are going to just absolutely kill it when they have an opportunity to do it. But that wasn't the structure of this match. This match was Shima eating him up and, and, and building up to whatever that next match is going to be, whenever that does take place. Yeah, and hopefully they do. I mean, you never know with these veterans. I mean, if Shima never wants to give me anything. Yeah. Uh, or if he wants <laughs> we kept, to yeah, be... we kept waiting for Tanahashi to you know, give it back to, to Takashita, right? Wasn't it Takashita that, that Hiroshima, beat the Hiroshima. fuck out of her? Oh, Hiroshima, Hiroshima, that was it, yeah. He did have a match against Takashita, though, didn't he? Uh, I seem to recall them having a match. I'd have to look at that to make sure that that so. ever happened or not. Let me see if that ever did happen. I, I, I don't recall It had that. to be years. I mean, Takashi had to be like 19 when that fucking match happened. Let me see if they ever had a, had a match together. I seem to remember that happening. Yeah, Peter Pan 2014. Takashi Tanahashi. Tanahashi defeats. Oh, Takashita. and I remember that. I seem to remember Tanahashi just like fucking him up. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I do remember that. I do. <laughs> yeah, now I do remember that. Did he no, just like right. fuck him up and call him a uh, you know a young guy and then like there was no follow up ever? Like, am I confusing that with another? You may have. Yeah, I don't know. I thought this was the one. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong that this was the one. No, he he. Tanahashi, I I do vaguely remember this this Takashita match now, but maybe I'm confusing Tanahashi. Oh, you know you know what this one was? This was the Tanahashi I don't give a fuck match. Remember that one where he's just like. Like he looked like he had wanted to be anywhere else in the world but there. Do you remember this? I thought that I'm looking was the at some Har- reviews I right thought now. That, I thought that was the Hiroshima match, but again, I could be confusing the two match structures. Maybe I thought this was this one. Where, yeah, I think you're. Maybe it was both of those. I don't remember exactly either. I'd have to go back and look at uh, at what this match was. I see. Yeah, there was one of them where he just like didn't. You could tell he just thought it was fucking stupid and didn't want to do it, which was not great, and it reflected poorly. And we were all like, "Well, they're gonna. They're obviously this is an angle, and the follow up's gonna be, you know, the DT guy getting the revenge, and then they just didn't. <laughs> Tanahashi just didn't care about the match or didn't give a shit. Yeah, I don't know if it was this one or uh, or the Hiroshima one, but they had a match. Well, I I I, re- so. I remember that being Hiroshima because I didn't I didn't think Tanahashi would ever lose to Takashita. That's ridiculous. Um, at the stages that they're at, I did think that there was a chance that Tanahashi would give a win back to Hiroshima. You're making me think that match never happened now, but I know that it did. Tanahashi and Hiroshima. It happened at a Peter Pan. No, that happened for sure. Yeah, let me let me find out when that happened exactly. You're making me no, that, doubt that... myself. Because then they had, remember, they had the tag where Hiroshima teamed with Oka against Tanahashi and Komatsu, remember? And, and Komatsu ate the fall. And we never got the singles rematch between Tanahashi and Hiroshima. They got it. They, they, 
Hiroshima got his back in a tag in Cork and Hall. Yeah, that, that it was Oka and Hiroshima, Oka, yeah, right? Oka, yeah, right. Kamatsu and then Kamatsu and uh, if I remember correctly, yes, was in it as well. Um, yeah, let's let's let me find out here real quick. It, it happened, and you, you're right. I'm looking at some reports, and that the Hiroshima one was the one where he looked like he wanted to be anywhere else in the world than right he there. He just he just date him up. But I don't remember what the yeah. Now I don't remember what the Takashita match was. I'm gonna go back and watch it. So the Takashita match I now vaguely remember. I do remember that. Okay, one. so that was the year prior. Okay, so Peter yeah. Peter Pan 2014 was Takashita and Hiroshi uh, uh, and yeah. Tanahashi. I don't remember that one. The next year was Tanahashi defeating Hiroshima, and then uh, two months later they had the blow off at Cork and Hall, uh, where Hiroshima and Oka defeated Tanahashi and, and Kamatsu, and then that was it. That's the yeah, only. and then, and then that was it. And they they were and they you know I think didn't Okada work a DDT show too somewhere around that time. I think DD- so, yeah. DDT was working with New Japan. They were bringing in Tanahashi and Okada from time to time to help pump up those big shows. And, yeah, so I, I forgot who uh, Okada wrestled. Well, maybe he did. Maybe I'm misremembering. It really had me doubting myself now because I, <laughs> because I don't remember. It was not your fault. It's just because I didn't remember the, the Tanahashi-Takashita uh, match. So now it's like I don't know if. Kata working in DDT is he just... did uh, he he uh, against Kotobushi uh, Peter Pan 2013 oh, every, that's every right. year yeah. Peter Pan they'd bring like one guy over you know yeah. and that was always the fun guy to see who would uh, uh, go over there yeah that match fucking rocked if I remember correctly Okada and Ibushi yeah that was a really good so um, again I think Takashita is really great I do I just think he's a little bit overrated and I always preferred en- preferred Endo I mean you go back and listen to when we used to talk yeah. about DDT regularly and I always said Takashita is getting all the hype I think the other guy's better. Um, we've had we've had arguments, you and I. But I think we've we've been consistent in our stances. Where I, you know, nothing against Endo, but I always think Takashita is going to be the, the the next guy. But we'll see. Yeah, it's. Uh... All right, so let's talk about this shitty main event. This this <sighs> Daisuke Sasaki uh, uh, Dino people match. Mad. People are going to be. I, mad. I don't care if they're mad. I mean, it, it, this was <laughs> this was fucking certified junk. It was fucking yeah. garbage. I mean, I, I look. If you're into this, fine. I just don't understand why. I, it's not funny. It's not amusing. It's not fun. I mean, it's just there's nothing appealing about this. But look, it's not like I expected to like it. I've been watching Dino on and off for a fucking decade. I know the deal, okay? But I watched it because, you know, we got to come on here and review it, and I'm not going to blow off the main event. And I got to be honest, I wanted to turn it off halfway through. I just couldn't wait for it to end. It felt like it was an hour long. Um, I don't know, Rich. I just, there's no, again, there's no point in me going on and on and burying it. This is not for me. I think, you know, I may vote this worst match of the year. That's how bad I thought it was. It was the worst thing on the show, um, besides the inflatable pandas, which I don't consider a match. Um, and to me, at least for me, it, it's the worst match I've seen in 2008. Yeah, I, I really disliked it. And, and when you say worst match, like, there's probably matches that were, uh, as a whole, worse. But, like, Name when it's one. 32 minutes. When it's 32 minutes and you're sitting there and it's the main event of a giant show, it's going to get inflated you know, the badness is going to feel worse. Like, there's there's a Joey Ryan versus somebody match that's way worse, Joe, but you just skip it or you don't care about it and it's over and you just move on with your life. But this is 32 minutes of, of Dino teabagging Sasaki and putting his hand down his pants and at one point just being completely naked. And it was just, what the fuck is going on? I just, like, I was the same as you. And, and, and there's messages to prove it where I'm like, Joe, why is this still going on? Joe, how long does this go on? Because I was down in the gun. You know, I'm trying to watch this NWA 7th anniversary show. I'm watching, trying to watch DDT. I'm trying to pack everything in here. And I'm like, Joe, how long does this go on? I need to know. I need to know. Because this is like, and this was like 10 minutes in. This is like 15 minutes in. And I'm like, what? how much longer? It went 32 minutes and 10 seconds. And there was like two spots that I thought were kind of cool and kind of good. And the rest, I could just fucking throw in a bin, man. 
just Dino teabagging, Dino humping. It's just like, and that's it. I know it. I know it. I knew what it was going to be coming in. I'm glad Sasaki won. And, you know, we've had people, and like I said, like wrestling on Mikase, John and Taylor, I'm assuming we'll be doing that. They will do a good job of breaking it down and talking about it a little bit. And, and I can fully believe that it told a good story that, that, you know, Sasaki was working around Dino's erotic offense or whatever. I can believe that. It's just not for me. I just thought it fucking sucked. And, yeah, I, I, I'm glad that, you know, Sasaki was able to overcome getting teabagged for 10 straight minutes or whatever. But I don't, you know, like you said with the inflatable pandas, I, I just don't really need that, especially as a main event, especially 32 minutes. So I'm glad it, it worked in the structure of the, the, the company and it worked for the structure of the wrestlers. But you can just admit that it's not for you. And that's absolutely where I was with this one. I just thought it absolutely sucked. Absolutely I am 100% sucked. positive. That they paid off on long-term storylines. I'm sure they did. I'm sure because th- this company does that. It's just oh, they're great at that. The... They're they're unbelievable at it. But yeah, you can you can also admit that you just think it fucking sucks, which is fine. Yeah, but, that's the thing. Know. Yeah, it's just this it's this is like the antithesis of what I'm looking for when I watch wrestling. Um, and, and yeah, I mean if 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 we didn't have a job to do, I mean I would have hand waved this match for like five <laughs> I minutes. Really wanted to. I five really minutes in, to. I would have stopped watching. I gutted it out. Um, I I really thought about not finishing it. It was that bad. I mean, it just not amusing, even in a fun, bad way, because it really wasn't fun, bad. It wasn't bad. They were doing what they were setting out to do. It just wasn't entertaining or appealing on, on any level whatsoever. So that is DT. <laughs> Sorry if we uh, <laughs> said you can still like it. You know what? I mean? You can still think it's a great show. That's fine. We just gave it which we, you know, that's we give our opinion. You give our opinion. That's, that's what it is what it is. But uh, yeah, people are going to be very upset about that probably. But uh that's all right. <laughs> that's, uh, Shima Takashita was good. I like that a lot. But uh, that's DDT Peter Pan. So, um, but I'm going to start keeping up. But now that I know that Manji Manji is actually on YouTube, I'm going to start keeping up with DDT a little bit more. Cause that's what I uh, do. I mean, I don't, I don't pay for the service and, um, or, or any of that. I, I watch the free stuff they put up on YouTube, and I keep one eye on the company. Sometimes they'll show some stuff that's, again, more in the comedy vein or, or the sleazy vein, and I blow it off. You know what I mean, but but you know when when they they have just straight up wrestling matches, they they always give you good action in this company. All right, uh, let's move on to another show that happened this weekend, a pretty interesting one as well. The NWA 70th anniversary show. Now, Joe, I was trying to look for attendance. Do we did we get any attendance figures? I was not able to find any. Do you know if anyone's popped up or anything offhand? I didn't see uh, it. I didn't the, see uh, the it either. Of the show uh, looked like a thousand plus or somewhere in that neighborhood. They have people sitting upstairs, unless I'm misjudging the size of the building. But I haven't I haven't seen it anywhere. I thought um, I was very, you know, curious how they were going to draw and what kind of fans they were going to draw. They drew a lot of like Bullet Club type fans. They did, yeah, and, so. and that was obvious from the main event when uh, you know they announced the two names and, and all this gets the big boos and Cody gets the giant cheers or whatnot. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that was that was fairly obvious right from there, which is, is interesting because everybody kind of thinks of different pockets where these Bullet Club fans are, and like we always say this all the time, like they're everywhere. <laughs> like Ring of Honor business is exploding because those people are everywhere, those fans are everywhere, and people that continue to just ignore that or or think it's just a little pocket of like bearded white guys in Chicago. And New- no, it's all over the place. <laughs> like casual fans wear Bullet Club shirts, like of all colors and races and ages and all that sort of stuff like they're a big pocket that's why these things are successful i just i love when there's just this idea that like oh it's just like this handful of hardcore you know white bearded guys living in their basement no it's fucking everywhere nashville tennessee and it was filled with bowl club fans so that's uh yeah but again i i think that um you know the the you have to talk about the production this was triple mania level bad Ooh, it was. It, it got was, better. It got better as the show. You you gave me some pretty high expectations for how shitty it was going to be. It got better, but it still wasn't great. There's a lot of things to criticize. So let's do that first before. Rich, we... Rich was a fucking train wreck. They 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 couldn't 
the audio, they would keep they would keep kicking it to backstage interviewers or they would run pre-tapes and there would be no audio for maybe the first, I don't know, 40, 45 minutes of the show. The audio feed would remain with the with the commentators. So you'd hear Jim Cornette <laughs> bantering with his broadcast partners and, and, and while this while this you know, pre-tape video is running, trying to get Paro over whoever the fuck, and we're not hearing the audio on it. Then we're not hearing the audio on the backstage interviews. Colt Cabana's out there cutting a promo, and we don't hear a single word of it. Uh, then when they finally get all that sorted out, there's all kinds of issues with the directing. I mean, there's, they're, they're doing that, uh, you know, Pen- Penelope Ford's cutting a promo, and you could hear either, you know, Lagana or it sounded like Billy, to be honest, yell, cut. And then, you know, they relax and they get out of character and they're having a fucking conversation about the promo. I mean, the production came off Bush League. I know it's a first-time effort. I know they used the, uh, you know, Global Force uh, uh, production team. I heard some rumors that they used another production team. Uh, you know, it, it, but, but it's just like... <clears throat> it was in Nashville. I'll just... Uh, but but you can't... But it's like... Without naming names, but Nashville, whoever, Jared. <laughs> who, whoever they did use... My point here yeah. is whoever they used, never used them again. It was an absolute train wreck, a disaster, an embarrassment. And I have to tell you, oddly enough, oddly enough, everyone was burying the card on paper. The wrestling saved the show. It really did. No, no. And, and the production, I mean, like I said, it got better towards the end, but the first hour, hour and a half, like you're saying, was. I mean, the thing that got me is I had my computer speakers. So, like, Jen, I forget what her name The former Jen Sturger, I, I forget what her name is now. I think she's got a different name now. Um, I was blanking yeah. on it. She we was horrendous, by the way. She was fucking terrible the entire night. Other than not hearing her, it wouldn't have mattered if you heard her anyway, because at the times that you could hear her, she, I thought she was horrendous. And, and I know that, like... It's kind of the trope, and like Pro Wrestling 101 is you got to have the backstage interviewer, and they have to be this woman, and they have to yeah, they, just especially when it's not working, when the production's shit, just fucking miss it. You know, it, it's not necessary. It, we, it's a template that that people have just kind of decided that wrestling has to be done with. But you cut to her, and she's just not prepared. She's reading off of a script. She doesn't know who Dory Funk Jr. is. She's trying to talk to a fucking Blue Demon or whatever, and it's like, what are we doing? Like, why are we doing this? It just sucked. Those were horrible. They were horrendous. Horrible. They should have just gotten rid of those completely. But you know, yeah. whatever. Um, but she didn't know. I mean, she didn't know what the hell she was talking about at all. She obviously she had a piece of paper. She'd read it before, and then she'd start talking. But she could tell she didn't know shit about what she was talking about. So I, I, it's it's nothing against like her personally. It's just like she obviously wasn't prepared for the job or whatever, or or whatever, or there was production issues. I don't know what it was, but it's just it. Every time they went to her, I went, "Oh God, here we go." And it was like you know, it never was good. None of those pre tapes or none of those post backstage interviews were ever good. They not, they did nothing for anybody. I thought they were really really poorly uh, done the entire night. But um. What really got me was the the first match the uh, the, the the Sam Shaw Cabana, Sammy Guevara Scorpio Sky, so they come out and I have my I, I turned my uh, my speakers off so I could hear uh, uh, her the interview that she did prior a little bit better. They bust my speakers with the loudest because they had mixed for whatever reason they mixed these guys theme songs. Like, so fucking loud that, like, you can't hear Cornette, but all you can hear is Sam Shaw's, like, terrible music as loud as humanly possible. I'm like, what is going on? And they, they eventually regulated the music uh, after that, and it, was, it, it seemed like it was okay moving forward. But, man, it was, yeah, it was disastrous that the, the, the first hour or so was just a complete train wreck. I thought the production looked good. I thought the cameras looked good, and I thought some of the lighting looked pretty solid. But, yeah, like, the audio was a disaster. And, like you said, the, the cuts and the director, the, the, the directing and all that sort of stuff was was disaster. A lot of times they would, like, cut to the entranceway, like, you knew they were trying to go to a pre-tape, but it just wouldn't load. And, like, Jim Cornette's just got to sit there and cough, like, twice. Uh, and then I forget who the other guy was, the, the main color, uh, the main play-by-play guy. But then he would just have to, like, 
Ah, Nashville. What a wrestling city. Of course, I would have to go on for 20 minutes about Nashville. He, how many times did he say that Nashville was a great wrestling town? Just to fill gaps of time. I was so sick of hearing how Nashville was so good to the NWA for, for so many years. No, I mean that, it, And again, like credit to Cornette because he's great at that sort of stuff. And I thought all night, I thought Cornette was great. And we mentioned that last week. That if you're going to get Cornette in an atmosphere, he's going to give it 110%. He's not going to bury it because that's what his character is on, on Twitter. And that's what he is, this guy that buries shit or whatever. But he came out and, and he knew his shit. He researched everybody. He gave it 110%, which we knew Cornette was going to be. And he was good. I thought he was really good. I thought the play-by-play guy, I'm sorry for forgetting his name. I thought he was pretty solid. Shivani was all right in the main event. But I thought, uh, I, I thought Cornette and, and the play-by-play guy were, uh, were pretty good throughout. But, uh, yeah, I thought uh, production issues were definitely uh, a downside. Everything looked good. It did not sound good the entire night. A lot of disasters in that respect. I thought Cornette was good when he liked what he was watching. Um, there were times where Cornette was getting passive-aggressive towards some of the wrestlers who just didn't work the way he wants them to work. I did sense that. I did pick up on that. Um, what Cornette is good at, it, like when he perceived that something didn't make sense, a wrestler not going for a cover or... Yeah, he was passive aggressive in those ways. Yeah. Oh, when Penelope Ford did the move where she did like the handspring elbows, he lost his mind. He's like, "Wow, she did. She goddamn, she flipped seventeen times before she got." To the, you know, yeah. Like... I mean, I know his instincts are to protect the business, and <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he wants to make sure the audience. He's explaining to the audience that someone not going for a cover, for example, is is is, is a wrestler fucking up instead of you know, it, like I, I understand he's protecting the business in some ways. But it's, it was clear to me when he was enjoying what he was watching and when he hated what he was watching. Uh, it, but you have to know Cornette to, to know when he was doing that, kind of the spot when he was being passive-aggressive. But in general, yes, I thought he did a good job, and I thought he brought, uh, you know, he, he, he did bring some gravitas to things with, you know, just being was and all those sorts of things. I thought he added a lot of historical, and, and, and that's like, you know, a good thing to have a guy like that who's just an encyclopedia for history, especially of NWA history and of this company or whatnot. So I thought that was good, that he could kind of fill in the gaps, and he needed it because, God damn, if, like I said, those production issues where they would, like, cut to the entrance ramp and nothing was happening, you could tell they were trying to load a pre-tape and just wouldn't work or whatever, that Cornette was able to fill in those gaps really well. So I think that was a credit to him where I, I, I'm sure, you know, you don't have to tell him all that much. He can kind of fill in gaps and, 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 and give you background of, of the NWA off the top of his head because that's the shit he lives for, so... I thought so, that definitely helped out the show a lot. Let's bounce around. The main event, I thought, blew away the match at all. In. Um, and that was without the benefit of the added atmosphere that you got. Because this could match the atmosphere. But I thought the match itself exceeded my expectations uh, tenfold. I couldn't believe uh, how good this match compared to, I guess, what I was expecting. The story of the first fall in particular, I thought, was good with Cody uh, tapping out quickly to avoid the injury to the knee. And then, of course, the surprise with Nick Aldis ultimately winning the match, which I think, you know, that's a lot of that is Cody continuing to put over the idea that he, he and the elite are going to WWE. And I don't buy that for one second. I, I, I am a hundred percent confident that they're destined. They may not be in ring of honor next year. They may not be in Japan next year. I, I, I don't know. They might be starting, but who knows what they're doing where they will not be as WWE. I am. I, I think that they're intentionally trying to point people in that direction. It's, it's, it's all a work. Uh, but this, you know, continues uh, that story for Cody. You know, drop all the titles and get ready to go to WWE in January. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I have no idea. I, I Again, I don't want to say any betting lines or whatever, but I would be shocked. I think they're just – all this is just adding leverage. You know what I mean? It's just yeah. it's, keeping it's, all of their options open. You need you want to keep all of your options open because that's how you make the most money. <laughs> you know, from whoever it is that's going to give you the most money or whatever you want to do. But, yeah, it's, it's – options it, it's, and leverage is what it's all about. 
Yeah, it's leverage, and they're also just telling a new age, modern style pro wrestling story on their being the elite show. Right, because they fucking know that everybody knows it's, that their contracts yeah. are up. They make it obvious right. their contracts are up. They're, I mean, they're, yeah, again, like we talk about WWE not kind of leaning into reality. They're leaning into it as much as possible. Yeah, no, our contracts yeah. are up. You're right. <laughs> Maybe we're going to go to WWE. Maybe we'll do this. Maybe we'll do that. I don't know. Come watch our YouTube video and see what we do. Like, that's, you know, it's yeah, so. that's, that's wrestling in 2018 uh, at its core. So that's what's going on there. Um, they did a good job convincing everyone that Cody was going to hold this title for a long time. He talked about all the people he wanted to defend it against and all those sorts of things. And he really didn't get to many of them. I defended against back. I watched that match. And then uh, all this match loses it. So it was a surprise finish, but the match was way better than I thought it was going to be. I'm still not on the Nick Aldis train. I never will be. Um, this is peak Nick Aldis. I, I still have no interest in Nick Aldis. This does temper my interest in the NWA to some extent. I'll still keep an eye on it. We always do, and we always will. Uh, but all this just still does nothing for me. They're never going to win me over with Nick Aldis, ever, ever. I can live to be a 1,000 years old, and they will never win me over with Nick Aldis. Um, I don't find him interesting in the least bit. There's nothing they can do to make him interesting. Um, but, yeah, but I thought the match was way better than I thought it was going to be. Um, I actually thought it was four-star range. I thought it was a fucking hell of a match. And exceeded my expectations, and and you know I was very pleased. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it a lot as well. And I think uh, one, I I don't know. See, the problem with the All In match is you know being there live. It was such an experience. It was such a, a, a incredible. Like I don't even know that like like on a pure if in a vacuum. If I if I put the matches on mute and just watch them, I'd probably go with this match. You know what I'm saying? Like because I think this one was better worked than the all-in match. I thought this one had a better structure. Even the two out of three falls, I think they did a great job, as you said, with the two out of three falls. So, no. Like, in a vacuum, this match was definitely better. For me, though, I enjoyed the all-in one more because that atmosphere was so ridiculous. You know what I mean? It was such a, a cool atmosphere to be in, and that's part of the wrestling experience as well, is being in there and, 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 and sensing a crowd and seeing guys work a crowd or whatever. So, yeah, I'm still going to probably pick the all-in match because of that, but but no, on, on its face, in a vacuum, whatever you want to say, this one was better worked. And, and I thought they did a great job with the two out of three falls. Cody immediately tapping out makes sense in the two out of three falls. That's sort of the, the stuff that I love about a two out of three falls, where it's like, all right, cool. No, he's tapping out early because he's trying to save himself or whatnot. I, I, I get it. That, that makes sense. And what I liked about it, too, is like he didn't writhe in pain. He got up right away, and even the announcers bring it up that like Cody's ready to go. Cody's almost as fresh for the second fall as, as Aldis was because he got in that move. He realized, fuck, it's not worth you know fighting for. I'll tap out, and then we'll work our way through the second fall. So I thought that was kind of cool uh, in a sense to do it. And I thought, yeah, they did a good job. Maybe a little bit too much of the Camille Brandy stuff for my liking, but I think they worked around it pretty well. And I think overall, though, the, the match itself uh, delivered pretty well. I could have done without some of that stuff, but they, they kind of needed to play it up a little bit. So so the national title stuff, let's do it, 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 let's do it as a whole group. Um, I thought Sammy Guevara was the clear standout in the first match. And that 90-second run that he had, that run-up before he was eliminated, that little shine segment before he got eliminated was, um, you know, just, just I thought that got him over uh, with that crowd. May not necessarily have been uh, familiar with him. And I thought he was the clear standout of the match, and I thought it was uh, ultimately a mistake uh, that he didn't win the match. But these things are booked out beforehand. You can't tell how they're going to go. And uh, Sam Shaw did go on. Now, the Sam Shaw-Willie Mack match was the only match I didn't see. You saw it. I'm told it was very good. So in the end, it all worked out. But uh, I thought Guevara was the clear standout of elimination match number one. Oh, clearly. Yeah, no, he definitely was. And, and, and like, anybody who knows anything about these four guys, and we talked about it last week, I mean, <laughs> Sammy was going to... St- I mean, we love Sammy Guevara, and, 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 you know, anybody who sees him, I think you usually 
see the same thing as well. So it was cool to see a lot of people that had experienced it maybe for the first time or hadn't seen like the full breadth of, of what Sammy could do. Really shocked at how great he was in this match because yeah, he was so far and away the standout, and and they could do something with him in the future. Maybe now is not the right time for it or whatever, but they should not let this guy just kind of flounder away or do nothing. NWA should in some way, shape, or form use him because like you said, he is in some ways the best of both worlds. He's got a little bit of the new media idea of, of doing these vlogs and doing the YouTube stuff. He's young, he's marketable, and he's a great wrestler too. He just stands out. He, he's he's different than a lot of the stuff that the NWA is presenting right now. So he'd be a great fit for for you know moving forward or doing whatever they're going to do. Uh, Sam Shaw, I mean, I don't. They, they like Sam Shaw, so you know, good for them. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the the Willie Mac match we'll talk about in a bit, or, or I guess I could talk about it now. He delivered in that match, so I'll give him that. But I thought that match, even then, even delivering in that match, I thought Sam Shaw was fine and Willie Mac was great in that match because Willie Mac's a great wrestler. Where Sam Shaw is a guy, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, I thought, yeah, the, 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 the Willie Mac Shaw was good, but it was good because Willie Mac is great, not necessarily because Sam Shaw really delivered or anything. Sam Shaw was fine in that match. He was fine in this match too. Sam Shaw is fine. Like that's basically the Sam Shaw experience. But he's not a guy that I would definitely build anything around. I think there's there's definitely not much to him. So I'm, I, I think they made the right call giving the match, uh, giving the win to Willie Mac. And I think maybe the idea was just to get Willie Mac over a, a, a Sam Shaw, give him a definitive win. Maybe it wouldn't have worked quite as well. Uh, against Sammy or whatever, but uh, yeah, I, I could I could do without seeing Sam Shaw much more, but uh, yeah. I think I have no problem with Willie Mack winning the tournament. I mean, you know, we discussed him as one of the legitimate options to yeah. do so. But I thought with the two qualifiers, I think it actually played out exactly how I thought it would, where Vera stood out in the first match, and then they they got Ricky Starks over as a cocky heel in the span of like 10 minutes between... The uh, promo with Cornette, which again was... I was going to say, before the match even started, he was. <laughs> he was over again, yeah. Which was a production mess again. I mean, that whole thing, the audio was off. To stay, it's just, that was... But, but he cuts the promo on Cornette. Uh, they play that, uh, they play his video, which makes him come off like a cocky little prick. And, you know, then his entrance into the match, the way he worked, he got himself over as a heel. Cornette worked his ass off to get him over as a heel during the meat of the match. And to me, the standouts of the two matches were Sammy Guevara and Ricky Starks. I mean, they really were. I mean, you know, and then Starks got the cheap pin on Paro to put him over further as a heel. And then, you know, he had the big spot on, on Jay Bradley with that, uh, with the uh, uh, with big uh, uh, sit-out powerbomb spot. And uh, I thought Sammy Guevara and Ricky Starks really acquitted themselves well. And as the two, you know, maybe not so much Guevara, but definitely in the case of Starks, for two guys who may have been unknown to large portions of the crowd, they both got over live, and uh, I, and I thought they both put themselves very well, and I would have preferred to see those two guys in the final. But they weren't going the route of making new stars here. They were going the route of building up Willie Mack, who's an established star, and I don't have a problem with that. Yeah, I was fine with the two. And the match, uh, definitely, if you get a chance, go and check it out. It's only about 10 minutes or so, but you'll see Willie Mack and, and, and just what he's capable of and why the fans... Uh, really, uh, you know, are, are attracted to him or, or, or really do kind of gravitate towards Willie Mack because I think he's great at just getting the fans behind him and stuff. He's a great babyface. He's an incredible babyface, and this was another example of that as well against the guy who, you know, Sam Shaw's fine, but yeah, I think Willie Mack was definitely the star of the match. But th- definitely if you get a chance, you know, it's about 10 minutes long or whatever, um, well-worked stories, solid, you know, story throughout, nothing spectacular, but really good, really, really good. So uh, definitely if you get a chance, check that out. So Tim Storm, Peter Avalon was exactly what I thought it would be, and it was kept Bad? short. <laughs> Oh, I didn't think it was bad. Oh, I thought it I thought fucking it, sucked. All right, well, that's all right. Well, I'll go first then. I, yeah. I thought it was okay because I thought they kept it short enough to where Tim Storm didn't get exposed. He didn't gas. Peter Avalon. But maybe I see. I saw the build. Did you see the build? Uh, you, a little bit, not a ton though. 
did you know what you were getting out of Avalon with this new cocky heel character that he does? And see, maybe that is where the disconnect is. Now, look. No, disconnect was it fucking sucked. <laughs> That's my disconnect. It's a bad wrestler and a bad wrestler. Nah, see, Having a the, kiss my I, foot match. It fucking stunk. I thought the work was fine. And I think if... if, All right. Well, that's the thing, too. What's your bar for Tim Storm, Peter Avalon? Not a shitty match. Like, yeah, well, no, I mean, that's what you're saying. Those are two... Yeah, my bar is low, and they met the low threshold by having a bad Kiss My Foot match. So, yeah. My bar bar was two and a half stars, and that's what they gave me. (laughs) That sucks, though. (laughs) That's an average match. I guess. All right. I I thought it was an average match. I thought they went out there, and and I thought Storm actually... I exhaled, because there's always the possibility that he's going to be terrible and i didn't think he was terrible you did um i disagree i thought avalon you know played his role fine and this was exactly what i thought it would be it had it it, see to me it had a chance to be offensive and really bad and to me it wasn't and it was just a match and it was just there and to me that's a that's fair yeah that's it you're not gonna bury it i thought we were getting i already did i thought i buried it six feet deep i thought it stunk and i couldn't wait for it to be over and the kiss my i mean come on what are we doing to kiss my foot match come on that's terrible I mean, that's why I so like I hated it, and I thought the match stunk. So yeah, it's I, I don't know. I mean, I guess you're saying if you come in with like super low expectations, then it's not bad. But I mean, I came in with low expectations, and it was also bad. So I I don't know. There's not much more to say. I was just kind of glad it was over. All right. So it didn't clear Rich's bar. It didn't clear Rich's low bar, and it met mine. So. Uh, that's where we are in Tim Storm, Peter Avalon. It just, it, to else? me, here, r- real quickly, about the, yeah. the Avalon Marquez thing just feels so fucking shindy. That's my problem, is it feels like a gimmick out of, like, 2002, random, like, you go to your random indie and it's Peter Avalon and Nico Marquez. You know what I mean? Like the I don't disagree. Listen. Yeah, that, that to me, t- probably takes it out more than anything to me, is I think that gimmick is absolute trash, and it's, like, fucking 15 years out of date, so. I don't disagree, and. When I, when I attempt to watch Championship Wrestling from Hollywood, there's a whole lot of that on that show. Yes, that's the is, problem with that show is I, I want to like it, but it's just like, this show's from 2004. Like, why is this on my TV still? Like, why is this? It, it feels, uh, it, it does not feel of this era. It feels of a different era of indie wrestling. And that, that to me, I think we're, we're past that. And, and I really wanted out of the show. And what was good about the show is it wasn't that. That was my worry coming into the show, that it would feel like an old indie show, like a 15-year-old indie show. And it didn't. It felt very modern, except for this match. This match felt... And looked and appeared and, and just from everything felt like an old 15-year, 20-year out-of-date indie match. And, and that kind of affected me. A Tim Storm guy who I think they did a great job of telling the story. But in this context, he felt like an old a guy of an old guard. A kiss-my-foot stipulation, which is stupid and, 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 and dumb. And then the Avalon Nico Marquez, which, again, like feels 15 or 20 years out-of-date. So this match stuck out like a sore thumb to me. And that maybe was the reason why I felt so negatively about it. Yeah, I mean, I wanted to come on. I would... Watching it, I wanted to come on the show and have a lot of fun burying it. And then they did fine, and I was like, well, I can't bury it. But Rich was able to, so <laughs> you got, you got uh, half a burial. Um, Barrett Brown, Laredo Kid. This is exactly what I thought it would be, which was a uh, hot little undercard junior match, and I thought both guys did very well for themselves. And uh, I was a little bit surprised that Brown won, but there you go. And I thought that... Uh, a nice little touch by Cornette putting Brown over as a former NWA World Junior Champion. Yeah, I thought this was really good. Um, really, I mean, these guys, obviously, they had 10 minutes, and I thought that, that was, I'm surprised at how much time they got, and I was glad they got the time, because I think they delivered in that time for sure, and, and I think both guys acclimated themselves well, and, and you hope to see more of, 
of at least one or two of them uh, in, in the future. Because yeah, I thought they uh, they definitely acclimated themselves well, and this was a, a solid match. Good. Uh, not not I, I I think the structure of it was good with with the NWA National being the the opener, but this would have worked as an opener too. But I think it worked well as a second match on the card to kind of. Uh, uh, you know, put you know, show that there's some some high level work on this as well because I think these guys did do some pretty high level works here. So, so I enjoyed it a lot. I mean, yeah, there's not a ton of like passion for it because it's just kind of a a, a match between uh, two guys and w- without a ton of build or whatnot. But I think yeah, I think they acclimated themselves well and did, did a pretty good job. So yeah, it was a nice little undercard match. Yeah, with, with good action and two guys who came across as you know solid professional wrestlers. So uh, no problem with it. again top to bottom. This was a really strong show. I, I, you know, and, and I missed a couple of the matches, um, including this one. If you want to talk us through Jazz defending against Penel before, I had to step out of the house, so I didn't see this, and I didn't see the Willie Mac uh, match yet. Uh, both matches, I'm told, were pretty good. The Mac Shaw match, a lot of people are calling match of the night. You already talked about that one. I haven't figured out how to watch the replay or anything yet. I'll get around to watching all of this. But um, what about Jazz Penel before it? I saw the Jazz post match promo, and and I expected her to retain, and she did. Yeah, it was it was fine. Like it wasn't. Uh, I I don't know. It, it it there was points of it that I thought were pretty solid. And I thought Penelope Ford did a good job. And I thought Jazz played a, played a pretty good role. The finish kind of felt like it seemed it was out of nowhere. And there was one weird spot where and and again I don't know if it was done on purpose. And the problem is it's Earl Hebner was the referee, so you never know. But like he kind of like missed a count. Like Jazz had a pin, and I think he he didn't count or something like that. And it, it kind of it was one of those things that's just like oh no, and it kind of took you out of the match a little bit. And then Jazz won like a few I, I think a few moves after that. So it, it felt like kind of a flat finish. Uh, but the work inside of the context of that was pretty good. I thought Ford looked looked good. She was definitely uh, uh, over a lot to this crowd, but uh, Jazz definitely got herself over as well as people kind of remembered her, and she cut a great promo at the beginning of the match um, as well that I assume they could hear, even if we could barely hear it at home, but uh, no, I think it was solid. It was only about seven minutes, so it's not like it was a real super lengthy match or whatever. It was obviously kept short, and, and that might be because of uh, of Jazz's limitations in some way, but you know, Jazz beat her by submission. I thought it put Jazz over pretty well as, as this NWA Women's Champion, uh, champion and, and she talks about how she wants some of the publicity and some of the, what the 10 pounds of gold is going to be, so kind of setting her up for, uh, for getting some features uh, in the next uh, in the future as well. So no, I thought it was pretty solid, but uh, not spectacular, but, 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 but a good, well-worked match. All right, so it looks like we have some connection issues with Joe. I cannot get him back on the line. I don't know what's going on with his internet, unfortunately. Uh, but yeah, I can close out the show here because we were just about done anyway. Um, I talked about the Jazz Penelope Ford match, and I think that was it in terms of the NWA 7th anniversary show. Uh, oh, sorry, there was the, the tag match, the uh, the Crimson and Jack Stane uh, defeating the Kingdom, uh, Crazy Steve and Shannon Moore. I mean, come on, that's four minutes, and <laughs> you got the names involved there. The big story out of that, though, of the Tag Team Challenge was uh, the, the, Crockett, the Crockett Cup. I'll be making its return next year. This was announced uh, before the match. Uh, Rodori Animal, who came out with um, Crimson and Jack Stane, announced this. Uh, what we know now, no specific date for the return of the tournament. Uh, we just know that it'll be held in 2019. That's as far as we know. It'll be held in association with the Crockett Foundation, uh, which is cool because that means, A, that it's you know it's approved by the Crockett's and it's through the Crockett's, which is really cool. Uh, and also the Crockett Foundation, they provide services to military veterans with mental disorders. So it's for a good cause as well. Uh, I was hoping that we could get Joe on the line for this one, but unfortunately it looks like it's not going to work because uh, the tournament had a really fun history as well, and I wanted to dig into it a little bit, but maybe we can do it when once the Crockett Cup actually uh, becomes a thing and we get a little bit closer to the actual tournament itself. But, uh, yeah, they had uh, a, a few Crockett Cups in the 80s, and I believe one – or yeah, no, there was it was all the 80s. I think it was 86, 87, and 88, I want to say, that both the – all three of the tournaments were, but we'll, uh, we can look that up another time. But anyway, yeah, that's um, – Crockett Cup coming back in 2019, so that should be pretty cool uh, to check out uh, once that drops in 2019, but we'll see what happens there. 
just for for people that don't know, uh, when the uh, tournament was initially done, those in, in the eighties, uh, single elimination rules. So it was a tournament, single elimination tournament. Uh, there was twenty four teams in the original ones. Uh, in nineteen eighty eight, they did only twenty two teams, but there's quite a lot of teams. So uh, it's a big undertaking if they're going to do it on the same level. I maybe they will. I don't know. Maybe they might just do like twenty or so, or maybe they'll just do like you know. 12, I, I don't know how many teams they're actually going to do for this. Maybe they won't go the whole twenty four or the whole twenty two, but uh, we'll see. Eventually, when that becomes uh, when that becomes a thing in 2019, but uh, yeah, so that's it. Uh, that's about all we had for this show, anyway, for this week. Uh, I do want to let you know, of course, that this episode was sponsored by friends at Robinhood, and you can sign up right now, Robin. You can sign up right now uh, at voices.robinhood.com. That's voices.robinhood.com. Uh, Robinhood is giving Voice Wrestling flagship listeners a free stock like Apple, Ford, or Sprint to help them build a portfolio. All I have to do is sign up at voices.robinhood.com. Once again, that's voices.robinhood.com. Also, voicesofwrestling.com. I definitely want to check out the website uh, for all our reviews, previews, and all the other stuff coming up. Uh, voicesofwrestling.com slash forums. Definitely want to go there and uh, join our discussion board. Uh, at Voices Wrestling on Twitter, also Voices of Wrestling on Facebook, and last but not least, uh, support us on Patreon, the Voices of Wrestling flagship Patreon. A lot of good stuff up there. Uh, we have a Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame series that we had uh, running over the last few weeks. Uh, Joe's NFL Intelligentsia, Joe's Weekly uh, NFL uh, as I said, the Joe's Weekly NFL updates, uh, Joe's daily uh, Super Junior Tag League updates as, as that tournament's going on, uh, his weekly TV reviews. Uh, hopefully, gonna get, I'm going to have a Q&A hopefully in the next few days. Some other retro content as well. A lot of good stuff up there at voicewrestling.com slash Patreon or patreon.com slash voicewrestling, whichever you prefer. But definitely want to check that out and support us and also uh, listen to uh, all the other podcasts on the Voice Wrestling Podcast Network. We mentioned Wrestling Omakase a little bit earlier. You have the New Japan-centric Super J-Cast. You have Shake Them Ropes. you got Music of the Mat. you got the Five Star Match Game. You have just tons of stuff on there. Uh, Lucha the Hidden Temple, if you want your Lucha underground fan i mean the brit rest round table uh the two sarahs there's just so much stuff there everything evolves which will be popping up uh hopefully in the next few days as well as evolve uh returns uh this weekend but uh, yeah a lot of good stuff on the voice wrestling podcast network so make sure you uh of course subscribe uh, however you get your podcast and also do a review as well because the more you review the more people can find it and listen to it and enjoy it so uh for the uh disappearing joe lanza i'm rich Grage, and we'll see you next time on the voice wrestling flagship podcast take care